Hey guys, what's up? This is Andy Frisella here. You're listening to Big MX Radio, but when you're done with this episode, come check out the MFCEO project, the MFCEO.com. I got all your motivation. I've got everything you need to know about running your brand. I've got everything you need to know about getting shit done, and we can do it together. Welcome to the Big MX Radio podcast brought to you by Sickwix. Sickwix.com is where you can go right now, get all of your soy wax candle needs you absolutely need to get these candles i know what you're thinking what are you pushing right now candles don't want to hear about it but seriously these are awesome candles they smell amazing they sound amazing why do they, why do they sound like something brad why like th- this doesn't make any sense how can candles make noise i'll tell you why there there's a wood wick in wick in this candle it makes sounds while it pops and crackles and the candle's awesome i'm a candle guy you need to be a candle guy if you listen maybe you're a pet candle girl who knows but you need to go check out sickwicks.com candles wax melts go check them out you will not regret it they have an awesome platform they're uh, it's a family-run business and uh, they do awesome stuff and i'm a huge pl- fan of them you can also go to medterracbd.com and save 15 percent with the discount code bigmxradio15 and uh yeah i am your host Brad Gabhart, with us on the line, a very special guest. We've had him on pretty much every week since the beginning of time. He's fantastic. He looks a lot like Malcolm Stewart, and he is the sole proprietor of the Collective Experience. Dave Drakes, how's it going? <laughs> What's going on, Brad? Dude, what? these intros are getting better and better every week. I just start rambling, and they're just fucking cracking. People are just to hear the intros. <laughs> yeah, I, I like the meander, and like... I don't know, like, I, I'm, a, I'm a candle guy. I will literally light a candle when I, I need to do some reading late at night or if I, like, whatever it happens to be. Like, am, am I alone on that? Or are you just sort of, like, are you just listening to me go off on candles and you're just like, okay, Gebhardt, like, sick. Um, or, like, no, like you like the Sickwix candles too, right? I did. I, I actually, I, had, I, got, I was gifted one, um, like, a while ago, dude, before I even really knew about Sickwix, and um, I thought it was pretty cool. I haven't had one since, to be honest with you, but um, we I need to get you so. Sick, man. We like, need a care package from Sickwix. Yeah, yeah, I'll definitely take one. But uh, yeah, a wooden wick. I mean, it's it's super cool. Plus, they've got a bunch of unique scents that are geared towards nerds like us, you know, moto heads and people yeah. uh, that that like something different. So, dude, I'm all for it. I'm definitely a candle guy. I'm definitely gonna grab one. Oh yeah, so anything the, to help you get in the mood with that uh, that lovely girlfriend of yours in uh, the cold, cold state of Wisconsin. I, I assume you guys probably don't need too many reasons to snuggle during the winter, but uh, um, maybe uh, a sick wick candle could maybe uh, help uh, just kind of set the mood right, if you know what I mean. You just sort of like get into uh, get get into our favorite uh, TV series. Uh, and as you do in a long relationship and uh, snuggle up for a long winter's, uh, honestly, they probably just, your girlfriend probably just falls asleep while you're watching uh, Supercrosses from 1994, but either way, it's, it's, the, the candle will be good. Yeah, we're, we're, prob- we're probably at that point now, dude, just falling asleep while watching old videos or old moto clips or something like that. But, hey, or just man, anything. If it helps with the ambiance, dude, then I'll run it. <laughs> Absolute, and they—they they, like I said, they smell good, they sound good, uh, and you—you you need to make them part of your program. Um, I—I I don't know about you, my like, but my girlfriend literally will fall asleep. Um, like I—I I, I don't know if like I, I might have like some sort of like melatonin like dripping off of me or something like that, but like it doesn't matter what we do, that that uh, that sweet little thing falls asleep 
like we could be watching fireworks or an explosion and I, she might pass out. <laughs> I think that's every chick. You want is to that... get in a relationship for like two months plus, like, dude, the minute they get around, <laughs> they can stay like, awake for two months. Is that what you're trying to tell me? It's just so exhausted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Fuck like, me. Moto, dude. They're probably like, this is all I can take right now. I'm, yeah. I'm She's out. like, what are we watching? Like, Great outdoors. Oh, four again. Good night, Jim Kite. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. See you later. Like, get, like, Brad, I don't care about Kevin Windham coming back to the Nationals in 03. Like, you've watched this before. I might watch that before bed tonight. That's so good. But uh, exactly. love it, love it. Um, Supercross has been happening. We are over, uh, just under actually, just under halfway through this season. You've been at all of them. I've been at none of them, but I've watched all of them on TV, so that's kind of the same. Um, this past weekend, before we get into the Triple Crown, which was all of the night program, we need to talk about what uh, basically capped off and the focal point and the exclamation point of the daytime program, which was the 450 LCQ featuring none other than your boy, AJ Catanzaro, Taking the whole shot and uh, and winning that damn thing, um, and, and then and then some TV time for you. So like, let's uh, talk talk a little bit about AJ uh, putting in the top step, something that he hasn't yet done this season. And I know you've been talking all kinds of crap on him on the podcast about his qualifying and all that fun stuff. So let's tell me a little bit about that. <laughs> yeah, I was I was just, first of all just happy to see him kind of ride to his potential. You know what I mean. Um, not really even just results-wise, but just to see them comfortable on the bike, um, especially when privateers like either um, you know get get on new programs um, or just kind of get stagnant with with their stuff. You tend to see them kind of fall back a little bit, get complacent, and um, it's just it's really nice when one of them capitalizes on an opportunity, um, whether that be a, um, something new with their program or a good start or, or anything to help them get to the next level and uh, and make it happen. So just happy to see him do that. Uh, I, I think a lot of what went into this weekend was AJ getting in the press. For some reason, getting the extra half hour of seat time on the track, granted, I mean, it doesn't sound like a lot to you or me, but for for privateers and especially a mentor rider like AJ, um, it's, it's a, it, it means a lot to be able to, or it actually does a lot for them to, to be able to get onto the track without having a whole race scenario around them. They're literally just out there for practice. Um, no nerves. It's the night before. It's pretty early in the morning. And they can just kind of take their time and dial in these sessions and figure out what they have to do for the for the following day. So I think that's the recipe for success for not only AJ, but a lot of these privateers. So definitely start out with that one. But um, AJ's been pretty, pretty good with the starts this year. He had a bunch of good starts the first couple of rounds, kind of decent towards the uh, the – let's say two thirds half or two thirds or so of uh, the West coast. Um, and I think he's starting to kind of get it more dialed, get it more consistent. And, you know, we saw that on Saturday, he got the whole shot, um, rode his own race, actually gapped a lot more than I thought he would. Um, and looked pretty confident, smooth. Wow. No confidence in him, by the way, look at this. Just like, Oh, he's doing, he was beating him more than I thought he would. He's like, wow. Uh, no, I, you know, I got I got confidence in my boy, but man, it was, it, honestly, I mean, just go, a lot of people say it. he'll say it too. Uh, looking at the way he was riding the last couple of weeks, who would have thought AJ would have made it into a triple crown? You know what I mean? It's really hard yeah. for privateers to get into that thing because this, this talent pool is so deep right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's 
it's super hard to see a, a, a straight up privateer do something like that. So um, I don't I don't think Adrian was expecting it even. So I feel pretty pretty good to be able to say, say some of this stuff. But um, yeah, he surprised himself, man. I mean, he he rode consistent, rode ahead, didn't seem like he got two in his head, um, didn't throw throw away anything with through mistakes, and uh, he he rode solid. So I'm hoping he can ride this momentum. Like I said, he's a mental rider, so. This is definitely going to do a lot for his confidence, which you can say that for a lot of these guys. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping he can have to start styled. He feels like he belongs up there. We can see more of those guys up there. I'm hoping he can bring, you know, the Ethicnet brothers with him, uh, maybe get Bubba Pauly and Scotty Wintershom up there with him too, maybe Tapia, and they, the, all those guys can get into the main. Uh, it'd, be, it'd be good. But uh, yeah, Wow, doesn't even mention David Pulley. Doesn't even mention Dave, him. Dave Pulley too. Dave Pulley too. Um, I want to see all my guys. Man. I want to see all my guys out there. So <laughs> I'm telling Dave that you have no, th- no, uh, no, uh, no faith in him. I got faith in my, I got faith in my guy. Faith in your guy. Get, get out of here with that. Um, but yeah, good on AJ. Good on AJ. But to be able to get in there, I was stoked for him. Uh, the LCQs are something that uh, definitely like I missed throughout the night show. I know my girlfriend was literally like. I'm like, oh, it's it's like triple crown format. She's like, so no LCQs? I'm like, no, no LCQs. She's like, that's bullshit. I'm like, wow. Like, even even the girl knows, like, the seriously, the best races of the night, obviously, are often the LCQs where you have uh, a bunch of 20-somethings selling themselves on the street corner for... Uh, for the for a, a top four spot in that particular race, those guys will literally uh, sell their grandmother for a spot in the main events. So uh, yeah, it's uh, they're always good to watch. But AJ into the main events. We're going to talk about the 450s after the interview with Matthew Stokes as well as Jordan Smith. But uh, let's talk 250s. And there was a lot of talk about uh, how dominant and how fast. Austin Forkner has been so far in this season. After the first two races, uh, he'd led every single lap of every single main event. He looked strong. He looked fast. Uh, he looked sketchy in qualifying, but uh, that's what they don't uh, like. That doesn't really matter much as long as you're able to get it done on the week. Like during, during the main events, he's certainly been doing that. But the consensus from everyone who I talked to was basically that said, uh, yeah, like he's going to have a hard time keep staying that consistent um, for a triple crown race, which I'm not too sure why they said that because he literally just backed up uh, uh, a race win with another race win, uh, which is basically what you have to do for triple crowns. But either way, um, Austin Forkner quieted a few critics this last weekend with uh, three number one finishes uh, for uh, the overall on the night and a pretty impressive ride. If, you, if I do say so myself, um, what can be said about the young uh, pro circuit guy who is just making it look easy out there? Man, I'll, I'll start off with, I did not see this coming from Fortner. I think you and I talked about it um, probably before even the preseason show we had where we knew Austin Fortner was going to be fast. No one saying he's not fast. Um, you know, he's probably one of the, the, next touted kids uh, even prior to the season that people were talking about in the same breath as like uh, Adam Cincerillo. Um And we, we did mention that he tends to ride a little sketchy, a little over his head. And that could be his downfall in mains where we, we saw with Cincerillo, you know, washing the front through corners or mistiming jumps because of nerves or just getting a little too over, you know, ahead of yourself or 
um, overexerting yourself a little bit. And Forkner has made us eat our words, man. He looks solid. Little tidbits here and there of sketchiness, but um, he, he gets rid of it all in the, in the, uh, the time qualifiers, and we really don't see much of that um, in the mains. One thing I will say that is incredible is this guy starts. I don't think we've seen a more consistent 250 starter in a long time, man. I mean, I think the only person I've seen do that for a while was Stewart here and there, but even still, man, um, his starts are A1. You, if anyone wants to figure out how to do starts, you better watch Austin Forkner. And I, I oh. think, honestly, he's, he's just riding a wave of confidence, man. He's, he asserts himself in his demeanor. He's talking to him on track walk or watching him through the pits or just when he's in an interview. The guy looks relaxed. He looks like I'm the boss and goes up there and dominates, man. He doesn't let these guys rattle him. He claims every win, um, even when someone might, you know, get the wheel on him a little bit closes the door right away and rides that bike. So, you know, even with a, with a field of, of talented guys like, you know, Davalos and Martin and uh, Smith, Sexton, he, he does not let any of that get to him. And he, he's told everyone, it seems like he was riding, that this is his championship to, to win or lose and uh, everyone else is going to have to settle for second. So I'm excited to see if he can, he can keep this up. I think this is one of the first times where we've ever been able to talk about maybe a perfect season for a a, a 250 title rider, so uh, who knows, man? I don't want to. In a while, it, it looks like it. It could, yeah, it, it could happen, maybe, but uh, we'll see. He's got a, he's got his hands full this weekend with uh, the showdown with uh, AC and some of the uh, the star racing boys over on the West Coast. So those are some slow guys, and uh, you know they're uh, they're stubborn, man. They're not going to roll over for him. So it, it, it's been incredible, man. I, I'm, I've been so stoked to watch this guy ride. His corner speed is just ridiculous, man. I mean. Being there and seeing in person, it's it's a sight to see. Absolutely, and uh, for those who are were, were wondering, no, Austin Forkner does not actually talk to Dave Drakes on track walk. He was making that up. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, this kid, the kid's lights out. He's going fast. He's got all kinds of confidence in the world. Um, I don't know if I heard correctly or not in one of the interviews that he did, but it sounds to me that he. Either he's dating a monster chick, or his chick has now became a monster chick. Um, like I don't know if that's like it's kind of like a secondary thing. Like I, I'd have to go back in her social media to see if that's like a, a new thing for her or not. What are your thoughts on that? Um, if you like, say like, cause like I can't imagine like the guy literally probably made this last week or over the last over the last three weekends, he's probably made as much money as a monster chick would hope it would hope to make in a career of being a monster chick. Um, like what's the point? Like, like, like I don't think the monster chicks make a, a an ass ton of money. Like why don't you just be like, Hey babe, maybe you don't have to shake like, you know, like have guys like ogling you like 10 hours a day on Saturdays. You could probably just hang up the boots and hang out with me on weekends. Ah, hey man, you, you love who you love, I guess. I don't know, but no, it's, it's fine. If you want to date a monster chick, no problem. But I just, I don't understand what like, what would be the point of her continuing to be a monster chick. Hey man, uh, maybe she loves it. You know what I mean? Just I labor of love. A couple of the monster girls actually like they 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 dig it. They dig the the flexibility. They dig the uh, dig the flexibility. You're a lot right now. <laughs> but uh, I mean, hey man, if I was her uh, and the person I was with was. was Killing it in mains, I'd probably hang up my boots. But hey, maybe it's her passion. You never know. Okay, so it looks like she actually is a monster chick. 
Or maybe not. Hmm. I'm not entirely... I don't think she's like a... I don't think she's been a monster chick long. I think she's into Moto just by going through her... Creeping her Instagram super quick. She actually has like oh, some... We're, we're Insta-creeping right now. We are Insta-creeping right now. Yeah, For as far as I know, she has only been a monster chick since October 28th of 2018. Oh, no, that was a costume. I think that was a costume for Halloween. So, no, she was not a monster chick prior to this. Um... So that's very, that's very, like, it's, like, it, does that sound weird that she would, like, like, she would start being a monster chick after just sort of just coming to the races with Austin? Like, why, like, she's obviously gorgeous, she's smoke show, um, but, like, like, literally, like, it's, like, it's not for the money, I, I, that, that is, like, it's, like, because, like, like, sometimes when you, like, you find out, like, oh, yeah, he's dating a monster chick, like, everyone just, like, ro- uh, or, like, a promo girl of any kind, you sort of, like, roll your eyes, because, like, just the, all of the stereotypes that come along with women who do the, uh, that type of occupation. Um, like, if I'm often forking around, I'll be like, yeah, you're not doing that anymore. Maybe that sound, makes me sound in, insecure, but I'm like, I don't want, like, my, my chick's not walking around in a small skirt uh, on an all-day Saturday taking pictures with a bunch of randos. Like, I'd rather have my chick, like, <laughs> either hanging around or, like, being supportive. Like, would she not be, like, more better suited just, like, supporting him in his racing? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I I could definitely see that. But I mean, every, it, it's it's tough to say, man. Everyone has their own deal. For me personally, I honestly could care less about if my chick was a monster girl. You know what I mean? I'd be like, hey, more power to you. Uh, hey, if it, if it pays some of these extra bills, and <laughs> hey, man, you take you better take those those pictures a little bit harder or something. You know what I mean? Wow, um, wow. Hey, hey, man. If you got you got to you got to you got to put the time in, I guess. I guess, I guess. Hey, if you got it, flaunt it, no big deal. Uh, he's clearly got a very special girl on his hands. He he thanks her on the podium. He he seems very genuine about all that and posts about her and, and stuff, which uh, is super cool. Good on him. And he's been going fast, so who am I to judge? Who cares? Um, but uh, let's talk about some other guys in the 250 class. Jordan Smith, uh, hurt wrist and all, uh, manufactures a, uh, a second place. In uh, in the overall, a couple of a pair of twos and a four, good enough for second overall. He puts himself in a good position for the rest of the Supercross season. Uh, although he's kind of a little bit behind the eight ball with uh, after Dallas, that is a huge bummer. Um, but both him and Chase Chase Sexton have just they've just looked off in these main events. Both whether it be the the Triple Crown races or the the, the racing mini in Dallas, like. Small mistakes. Chase Sexton like seemed like he, he couldn't stay off the ground at either race. Um, I think at Dallas he he crashed basically going up the face of those wall jump or the kind of the, the hip jumps both times in terrible places to fall. The la- the last place you want to actually go down, and then uh, yeah, like it's it's actually a miracle to me that uh, that uh, Martin Davalos uh, ended up fifth on the night this last weekend. It is he just was he just looks. He looks old. Honestly, he, he looks off the pace. Uh, it is not Marty anymore. That's not Marty anymore. I don't know if anyone else noticed, but he's not Marty anymore. Yeah, you, you took the words out of my mouth, man. He, he looks a bit just off pace. I mean, 
I wouldn't say he's slow or anything like that, but Marty usually attacks a lot harder. No, he, I'd say he, he looks slow. I, I, yeah. He, oh, I mean, it, the, certain times I will say he looks slow certain times, but Marty's usually on pace, man. He's, he's a pretty decent starter. Yeah. And if anything, That's why he's, he's good at heat races. Teammates, like, yeah. we haven't seen him, like, lead heat races. We see him, like, battling with Jordan Bailey, which makes me, like, scratch my head. Um, yeah, I don't... I, Honestly, I don't. I have no idea what what the, what the hangup is, and I wonder if it's um, you know starts that are starting to bother him a bit, or if he's not jiving well with the bike this year or something. But um, I can't imagine that, that thing isn't dialed in for him. I mean, he's had plenty of time to to, to get his uh, his off season regimen going and get the bike set. But oh yes, he's uh, had yeah, time. It's, it's, it's super super weird. I don't. He might might be see getting rattled or something by his teammate, but Marty needs to get up there, man, a little bit. This is not a typical Martin Davalos type of season, and I'm sure he's expecting a lot more out of himself. I know the team is, so, mm-hmm. um, yeah. It, it's it's weird just him to give up this many places. But I'm hopefully he, he turns it around in Atlanta and um, gets, a, gets a good stride going, but it, it makes me wonder, is he nursing an injury or something? Is, is it, like, a mental issue? Is it, like, you know, personal stuff that's keeping him off, off of pace? Cause, mm. You know, I'm a. I'd like to see the balls do good. I'm a, I'm a, you know, Martin Davalos fan, so it'd be cool to see him, you know, battle for podium finishes. But just doesn't look like that's that's in the cards for this uh, for this season so far. Well, he's not training with uh, with Tim Fair anymore, so that's probably the issue. Uh, not much changed in uh, Marty's program other than that. So if you want to pinpoint anything, or maybe like. Uh, I don't know. He's he's at the goat goat farm now, which of course is not a bad place to train whatsoever. But uh, yeah, it's some scratching the head a little bit. Um, what do you make of uh, like some of your idle other sort of like title threats? Justin Cooper looks probably about as dominant as as any of these guys are uh, as far as the the second through fifth um, in points right now. The guys uh, scooped up some some good finishes. He's he's been really strong uh, for basically this being his this is his rookie year in Supercross. Last year doesn't really count racing uh, one and a third event. Um, I believe he got injured. I think that was even during qualifying uh, at uh, Houston last year. So um, yeah, like George, uh, Justin Cooper, like the Star Racing's entry for uh, the East Coast as well as Mitchell Oldenburg. Both of them look fast, but definitely uh, Justin Cooper is on a, a whole other level as far as uh, threatening for uh, at least podiums every weekend. I agree. I think it's only a matter of time before he turns a lot of his good top qualifying spots into some good finishes. So um, it all honestly comes down to starts at this point. Um, I don't think anything's holding these guys back from chasing Forkner down other than their starts. I mean, we saw this past weekend, Sexton was absolutely hauling the mail in top time qualifying, um, which, I mean, a lot of people saw Fortner going around the track and you watch him, you're like, how could you go any faster? This guy's not giving up any time. He's on the gas, just crushing it. And then boom, you know, you see Sexton shoot to the top of the pole and it's just, you're wondering, man, you're, you're thinking to yourself, why, why is this not translating into, you know, first places for this, for this kid? Because, you can obviously ride with, uh, you know, with Forkner, Stan goes for Cooper, and Stan goes for Smith because those guys kind of trade spots back and forth for qualifying. Um, and I think a lot of it is just coming down to, to start the mental game. I think all of them are riding phenomenal. I think uh, it, it is cool watching Forkner be so dominant, but it would be also cool to see him kind of have have some challenges here and there and see these guys sticking a wheeling on him and, 
and making it just a tad more interesting for uh, for the fans out there and keeping Forkner on his toes. So um, I'm I'm hoping you know that these next couple of weeks we'll see something sort of sort of pop up, or even this weekend with the new crop of um, riders coming in there. When I say new, I mean West Coast. Uh, maybe mixing things up a bit, getting the the nerves up and the anxiousness and urgency up, and maybe we'll see something kind of switch it up a little bit. But um, I mean, those guys aren't riding bad. It's just that Forkner is just so confident right now and so consistent. It's making them look like they don't, know, you know, they don't they don't have it all together. But um, all it takes is just for so little nudge in the right direction, and any one of these guys could be on the top step of the podium. Patty could like these guys. If uh, Austin has an off night, uh, it is wide open for anyone in that top five, including uh, Alex Martin, who's also shown some speed, a little bit more hit or miss than than the other guys, and that's why he's on the outside of that top five um, in, in points. But uh, yeah, between him and uh, and Mitchell Oldenburg, we've basically got a, a six man race for who can go uh, just about as fast as anyone in that class. Who else has kind of stuck out for you so far in the uh, in the two fifties? Um, you've got a steady balance of veterans like uh, Kyle Peters, Cunningham, and uh, and Wharton, and then you also got some young uh, young guns. You've got uh, Jordan Bailey's in there. You've got uh, Lorenzo Lucrucio who's not an, uh, not an old rider whatsoever, as well as uh, a young kid like uh, Brian Hartraft, who uh, has been putting in some good rides for that Cycle Trader team. Oh, for sure. Um, I'm I'm pretty um, pumped on Oldenburg. I mean. Uh, his results might have might not have showed in the mains, but qualifying um, and some of his heat races, I mean, the, the guy is the guy is talented. So I'm looking to see some of these uh, these results he's getting kind of start to improve over the next couple of weeks. Um, huge shout out to Blake Wharton. That guy is uh, uh, he's a, definitely a vet of the class, and it's cool to see him back to racing, man. It's cool to see see his style and um, you know the the long locks flowing up the back of the helmet kind of brings us back to, uh, what, 10 years ago or so when he was uh, kind of out there crushing it in the, uh, the Geico Hondas and stuff like that. So super, super cool. Um, I did, I will say that um, I was expecting a little bit more out of Jordan Bailey, the quote-unquote rookie of the, uh, the Husky squad. Um, definitely thought he'd be a little bit better in Supercross, shine a little bit more since that's kind of what these young amateur kids who are coming up now are known for. They're known for their prowess in, in Supercross. Not really seeing it translate over for him, but hopefully this is something that he can kind of remedy. I don't think we're in the in the realm yet where we can start pulling the help cord or anything like that, or start saying that he needs to uh, get his stuff together before he gets the boot. But um, it's we've said it time and time again. Anything outside of like a top top seven for for factory guys is, is it's a tough pill to swallow. So again, still kind of a rookie, still kind of new. So we'll give him some time, but definitely expect to see more out of out of, out of him. And um, obviously, shout out to my buddy Henry Miller going full privateer and still being able to keep it um, with a pretty consistent top, you know, top 15 uh, positions um, on the list. So hopefully, he can uh, he can get a little bit better finishes as the uh, the season goes on. Absolutely, and and Henry's one of the athletes that you can do a uh, an experience with the collective experience. Yes, no. Outdoors, okay, fair enough. Well, he has been active with that in the past. Who are who are some of the marquee guys you can uh, sign up for uh, with the collective experience and uh, get an experience like no other? Basically, be completely injected into uh, a racer's uh, program for a particular weekend. For 2019, we've got a pretty good roster. We've got 
Um, our buddies Adam and Tyler Ensignap. We've got Alex Heard of, them? of the Hep Squad. Not a big deal. Yep. <laughs> we've got AJ Catanzaro. We've got Bubba Pauly and Scotty Wennerstrom. We've got Kevin Tapia, always a fun guy to hang around. Dave Pulley. <laughs> we, also got, we also have uh, Josh Greco, super fun guy. Um, you know, he's all, all the support he can get. Has Greco uh, been at the races lately? I haven't noticed. He has. He skipped this past weekend, but uh, he's probably uh, some silent, uh, some silent races. You know, I'm not trying to ruffle any feathers and stuff. So, come in, come in, kind of fashionably late to a lot of them. So, uh, but yeah, all those guys are, you know, they're they're great guys in their own right. Um, super, super talented guys, just looking to get, get a break in some mains and um, some good finishes, get the support they need. So, any one of those guys are given a credible experience and really make it memorable for fans. Yes, sir. Um, so, uh, that being said, this next weekend, uh, East West shootout, um, a full complement of factory guys. I believe you'll have as many as, damn, you could have, like you could have literally the entire main event be made up of OEM, uh, 250F guys. So you're going to have four guys from Suzuki, four guys from Kawasaki, four guys from Yamaha, four guys from uh from Honda. Oh, I guess f- uh three guys from Honda cuz Craig's still out. Um as like four guys from uh from Husqvarna, although uh um between you and me, I I I think Thomas Cummington maybe maybe just sit this week out. Sorry, sorry Thomas, but this this one might not be for you, bud. Um, every, every OEM, like, uh, you're going to have like all six OEMs, you're going to have, uh, literally you're going to have the, basically the entire, uh, field could be made up of factory guys. Um, this is, this is going to be huge as far as like swinging in the points. Like if, if, if Austin Forkner can win this weekend, say he wins his fourth main event in a row, uh, fourth, fourth event in a row. Uh, fifth or sixth main event in a row, um, and he's got two or three or even four West guys between him and the closest East guy. Like this could be over. Oh, for sure, most most definitely. It's it's, it's one of those. Uh, like it's got to be in between him and AC. But like, where's Dylan Friend is going to be? Although he had a crash today in in, uh, in the whoops uh, at at yep. uh, Yamaha or uh, like Colt Nichols who has been lightning fast. Don't, don't forget about Shane McElrath. Oh, there's also a couple of guys on the other coast from uh, from Geico that go pretty quick in their own right. Like, this is pretty legit. Oh, for, for sure, yeah. It's, it's uh, again, it's one of those races where you have, you have to be careful. It's uh, super, super deep talent pool. Um, you're, you're racing for points, but not in the same way that... that most other races kind of fall. It's like, yeah, you're racing for points, but the guy that's ahead of me really isn't in my coast. It's not that big of a deal if I pass him, but I also want to make sure I maximize on points, but I also want to play it safe. It's, it's a really a weird dynamic. And it's really, really more tactical than I think most people understand. So it, it's going to wear on these guys, man. It's, it's going to make the racing that much greater for us, but I would not want to be in that position. Absolutely. And, and on the fact that like for guys like, uh, Jordan Bailey, Brandon Hartraft, Kyle Cunningham, even uh, Blake Wharton. Like these guys are, they're on the kind of the outskirts of the top ten, and like basically, like if from 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 east and west, like you're basically taking the top ten from each one, or I guess the top eleven from each one, 
and uh, essentially, if it if it worked out that way, um, into the main event, um, like you got some pretty heavy hitters not making the main event. If you if say you, if you just made the admittance on points right now, if that's your sample size of what what you'd expect uh, to go into the main event for uh, for for Atlanta, like you're talking Lorenzo Lucrucio not in the main event, Jordan Bailey not in the main event. Uh, Josh, Josh Carker, Joshua Cartwright, um, Henry Miller, John Short, Thomas Covington, uh, a ton of these guys just like they're they're not even sniffing it. Same thing with uh, um, Mitchell Falk. Is Mitchell is he hurt right now? He must be. He missed the last two main events. I think, I, yeah, I, I think he is. Yeah. I think he's hurting right now. But either way, um, like there's a there's that's a good number of guys. Like like literally like a guy like Brandon Hartraff goes from being tenth in points. To being on the bubble, uh, going into the main event, like that's uh, that's a big time pressure. And if you miss that, like currently now sitting tenth in points, um, like if say like say uh, like he Brandon Hartraff right now tenth in points, he's got forty uh, forty one points. He's two behind um, Martin Davalos. Martin Davalos goes out there and uh, like say like he's fully capable of this, cracks off a podium. This weekend, that's a twenty-point swing in a championship series. That like that Hartraff would score no points on a weekend, and uh, and Davalos would score twenty. Like that's that's enormous uh, as far as like the like. I think you're going to see uh, a big shift in the points or a big spread in the points right around that ten mark because uh, st- certain guys just straight up won't meet in the main event at all. Oh, couldn't agree more. Yeah, I guess that yeah, goes for the West guys as well. It, it just it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty wild thing for a lot of these guys who like it's one thing to make a tenth that feels pretty good it's another thing to be literally watching the night show or the watching the main event uh a week later kind of be more it's uh it, it's tough man going going back to what I said before um this race is gonna be extremely tactical and uh the consequences of having a bad ride or making mistakes or not maximizing on points. It's it's tenfold what a normal race is going to be. So I'm, it's it's going to be interesting. I'm I'm excited to see how that sort of translates into nerves and how the riders can handle them and and if that messes anybody up. So well, we'll see we'll come we'll see come Saturday night. That we will. Um, and with that, let's throw it to the interview uh, interviews that we did uh, just uh, prior this week on the podcast before we got jumped on the phone here with Dave Drakes from The Collective Experience. We've got Matthew Stokes, a young rider from Manitoba who is uh, extremely well-spoken. He won a very special award this past year at the annual uh, awards banquet, and uh, we, we lined up an interview with him to get a little bit of a Manitoba local flavor because uh, today we dropped the uh, the schedule for the 2019 season, so I wanted to get uh, one of my favorite young riders from Manitoba on the podcast, and uh, right at the very end of his conversation, we happened to bring Jordan Smith on for a quick conversation with him. So let's send it off to this interview with Matthew Stokes and Jordan Smith, both riding KTMs uh, in 2019, one on a two-stroke, one on the thumpers. And uh, we'll be right back. And this this podcast is brought to you by CBD. You can go to MedTerraCBD.com right now and enter discount code BIGMXRADIO15 to save 15% off your order. If you're dealing with any issues with getting to sleep at night, if you've got body pain, you've got joint pain, you have anxiety, 
headaches, inflammation, CBD is the answer. The endocannabinoid system in your body needs to be fed. It's fed by CBD products and uh, get it into your system. Try it, whether it be the, the drops, whether it be the, if you're having a hard time sleeping, they have a great product where it's basically, it's a, it's a pill with melatonin, it, that, which is a, a hormone naturally produced in your body. It's going to help you sleep. Uh, you don't have to take it all the time. Of course, melatonin is something that your body does create, but say, say you had some pre-workout six hours before you try and go to sleep. You're tossing and turning. You can't fall asleep. Grab some Medterra CBD plus melatonin. You have a nice sleep. Maybe, maybe you dream about blitzing a set of super cross whoops that neither me, myself, or Dave Drakes will ever do. But either way, go to Medterra CBD right now and uh, check that out. And you can save 15% with discount code BIGMXRADIO15. And now, without further ado, the interview with Matthew Stokes and Jordan Smith. Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast. This interview is brought to you by Medterra CBD. You can enter discount code BIGMXRADIO15 to receive 15% off your order at MedterraCBD.com. Very important and very special guest with us here on the interview on the podcast, Big MX Radio, uh, for this particular episode. There's been times when we have former Supercross champions on the show. We have factory superstars on the show. We have privateers and everything else in between. This this gentleman definitely fits in between and uh, probably not located too far away from me. Right now on the frozen tundra here in Manitoba, uh, I think he's located a little bit outside the city limits, which is why the text message to uh, start the podcast didn't go through crystal clearly. But um, really excited to have him on the show. I've watched this kid race since he was probably uh, too young to even uh, to even realize that people were lining the fences to watch him do what he does. He's the 31 in your program. He's number one in your hearts. Matthew Stokes, how's it going? Oh, going good, man. Thanks for having me on. How about that intro? Oh, makes me sound good. I like it. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Well, if people don't already follow m.stokes31 on Instagram, they're missing out. All 35 of your posts are fire, my friend. You're a great follow and uh, just a great kid to have around the track. Uh, of course, this is uh, a little bit different than some of the interviews that we do. Uh, we've got, we've had guys like uh, Adam Cincerullo on the show. We've had uh, Zach Osborne and a, a, a ton of uh, top flight riders and you're a top flight rider in your own right. You're just a local guy who's uh, you're 14 years old coming up through and you've been racing since you were a pretty young guy like I'd mentioned uh, 50 class 65 class um, uh, going through here in Manitoba you, you've been around for quite some time of course you're, you're 14 years old now so uh, quite likely you've been racing uh, or at least riding for about uh, eight years now if not more but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit but uh, like obviously we're on the frozen tundra where it's way too cold to ride dirt bikes right now how have you been staying active? How have you been getting yourself ready for the motocross season, which the schedule came out today? Oh, yeah, definitely excited for the moto season ahead. Uh, just trying to keep warm in the cold weather. School yeah. was actually canceled uh, yesterday because it's so cold. Nice. Minus 41 yesterday. For, yeah, it's pretty different for some other people around the world. But, uh, yeah, I've been working hard, uh, making money for the moto season ahead. Uh on an actual basketball team, uh, staying in shape. Nice. And uh, on my uh, off times when it's not too cold, you know, I'm riding my pit bike outside and uh, try not to blow that thing up. Uh, <laughs> so it's 
<laughs> trying to keep warm, I guess. There you go. Uh, what is it you're doing for work to uh, make money, pay the bills, and uh, uh, make sure you got all the money you need for uh, registration and practice gas and uh, all the parts needed to get through a uh, motocross season here in Manitoba? Yeah, definitely. So my uh, grandparents own a uh, farm supply store, so my mom runs that. And after nice. school every day, I uh, work a couple hours uh, there and uh, make money for some gear, oh, uh, yeah. spare parts. Just a necessity. It's for the moto season coming up. Oh yeah, of which there are many. Uh, motocross is an expensive sport, as you know. You've been doing it for a long period of time. You'd mentioned that uh, um, you know that it's a lot different uh, weather-wise for people all over the world, and you'd know that firsthand as uh, you've been on two wheels more recently than I have. Uh, I think it was right around Christmas. Uh, I think most people here in the two zero four area code were pretty jealous of uh, the many posts and pictures that you would post on whether it be Facebook or Instagram of uh, you doing some riding um, down in uh, down under. I guess it wasn't uh, Australia, but New Zealand. Um, where does that come in? How, how, do you, how do you end up, uh, how does a Manitoba kid end up riding uh, and racing uh, a fair a little bit in, uh, in New Zealand um, during the Christmas season? Yeah, so it's a definitely a cool opportunity. My dad is actually... Uh, from New Zealand so I have uh, quite a bit of family over there so we uh, bought a bike flew over uh, one and a half months we were over there for and uh, I got to race some junior nationals and some club days and you know it's a cool experience to ride against kids from halfway across the world and uh, on different tracks such as that so it's it's so cool to ride down under. Absolutely. So, what what were the tracks like down there? Let's talk a little bit about the scene. Like, how does it? How is it different from Manitoba? How are the tracks different from Manitoba? Because because for for those who don't know, uh, and this is something that uh, maybe doesn't get talked about enough. Uh, certain areas have like sort of just different ways they build tracks, different philosophies, and stuff like that. Manitoba is uh, usually pretty bad for making some pretty. Uh, outlandish jumps. There's some jumps out on these tracks that are. Uh, um, Pretty, pretty. Uh, I said risk reward. Let's say uh, to do them, you're going to go fast. But if you you come up a little short, you're probably leaving uh, in an ambulance. So uh, yeah, like that's something that Manitoba is a little guilty of sometimes. Does create some riders that do turn into uh, some pretty good jumpers, I would say. But uh, um, what were the biggest differences that you noticed, whether it be the the just the riders and the culture that's down there, as well as the tracks? Oh yeah, definitely. It's a lot different down there from tracks to just the pit set up out there you know we showed up to the track in a little i think it was a volvo uh six seater nice uh blue little drifter thing with a cattle trailer on the back and uh pulled up a bunch of cars no big semis or trucks or campers or anything just all little cars with trailers on the back and uh uh definitely a lot different but uh to do with the tracks uh it's it's so different there I raced on four different tracks while I was there. Uh, two of them were actually uh, pure red clay. So in the morning practice, they watered the crap out of it. Uh, <laughs> it was all wet and wet and mucky. You come off from practice qualifying, and uh, you're just covered in mud. Yeah. Uh, by the time first moto rolls around, uh, the track is perfect, super tacky, uh, nice lines for them. Yeah, uh, the putting time, every knobby in the dirt there. Yeah, definitely. Um yeah, so one thing that is actually different over there is there's three motos. 
instead of two, like in Manitoba. Okay. So uh, by the time third moto comes around, uh, it's definitely a lot dry and unforgiving. You hit a rut wrong and you're going over because the ruts are so like concrete and hard packed. It's, it's quite a bit different. Fair enough. So maybe not unlike uh, going to uh, a track that we unfortunately don't get to ride enough. Uh, when it's prepped and, and ready to go, it's awesome, but it's often not that way, which is uh, Altona's Moto Park X, uh, for those who are listening all over the world, um, of which I have probably about as many people who are listening from Russia right now that I, as I do from Manitoba. But uh, um, it's uh, like that track, like you said, totally wet sloppy covered in mud that weighs 200 pounds when you leave for practice first motos uh every knobby that you that is placed out there is like just like crystal clear to find on the dirt and then by uh by three o'clock it's blue groove dusty and those beautiful ruts that you were enjoying maybe five hours prior are now curled over and rock hard and will uh, will grab you uh, at a moment's notice. So um, maybe you were you were able to uh, like that. That's got to be somewhat familiar to you. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, it's it's just it's so different over there. You know, I I rode I think Altona twice this year, so yeah, I wasn't too familiar with it. But uh, uh, the tracks over there, uh, big big uh, soil difference and stuff but uh also the natural terrain uh, built into the tracks the jumps uh just so flowy and you can just hold it onto a jump lean it over in the air you know it's a, it's just a feeling that's pretty awesome when it's just a natural uh hip there you go yeah absolutely getting uh get, getting to ride new tracks is always fun because you're, you're you're learning new lines uh, like, i think we, we got a little bit of that this year with uh the complete change around of uh of shadow valley i think that's a track that you had some yeah. success at this year um and uh, you actually had a lot of success uh basically this was your first season coming back to full-time racing i think we saw you ride a little bit at the end of 2018 or 2017 um but this coming back and winning races and uh something we hadn't seen you do in in a number of years um tell us a little bit about your 2018 season uh coming back we we like uh like, like i had mentioned earlier uh 50s and 65s always ktms always two strokes uh you did exactly that coming back uh, you finished the season on a green uh green four stroke but um like t- tell me a little bit about coming back to racing a little bit after injuries is never easy yeah so definitely um when i was actually on 85s i uh was pretty much racing down in the states full time. Okay. Uh, where I currently live, it's just ten minutes from the United States border, so okay. I go down in the states quite a bit on 85s. Um, come back up, uh, I think 2017. Uh, we started trying to uh, race Manitoba a little bit, but unfortunately, I uh, got quite sick and uh, was out for most of the summer, and came back late in 2017. Uh, race in Manitoba, and then 2018 was a really good season for me, uh, winning the schoolboy championship in Manitoba. No uh, big deal. <laughs> uh, uh, won the uh, Parts Canada Amateur Open in Minnedosa, which was a big deal for me. And uh, no doubt showed up. Showed up. In Yours the- truly giving you the trophy, by the way. No big deal. Yeah, yeah, that's a cool time. Uh, showed up in the 250B class this year, hung it out with uh, big guys. Uh, actually got picked up by Trans Canada Motorsports. The guys over there hooked me up with a Cali 250 for the rest of the season in about July. So uh, 
just trying to get used to that bike. But uh, definitely an awesome season. Got awarded the Ryan Roy Award in nice. Manitoba for that's great. That's a huge award, by the way. That's huge. Yeah, it, it meant a lot to me. Uh, unfortunately, I couldn't. I wasn't there to pick it up, but uh, it it meant it means a lot to me. And it's sitting in my room right now, uh, on a shelf, just right in the middle of everything. It just means a lot. There you go. And so for those who don't know, uh, if you're listening, you're not from Manitoba, you don't know who Ryan Roy was, uh, you don't know what the Ryan, War- Ryan Roy Award is, um, it was uh, it was an award created to commemorate, uh, commemorate uh, the memory of Ryan Roy, who was uh, an athlete who uh, had, had an injury and passed away uh, years ago. Um, and uh, in his name, basically the most sportsmanlike and uh, most honorable um junior athlete and that like that's the the classification junior uh now it's the b class uh which of course uh is is sort of uh how we we used to have things it was beginner junior intermediate pro uh so uh riders who would come off of 80s instead of going to beginner you'd go to junior before going to intermediate which is basically our b class or our a class now um so uh yeah basically uh it's it's a very coveted award it uh, doesn't have a whole lot to do with uh performance on the track it has everything about uh every everything to do with being a great ambassador for the sport and an ambassador for himself and an ambassador for uh, um, just good sportsmanship in the sport of motocross. And uh, it's, it's one that um, like it's, it's only one guy a year gets it. And, and I'm stoked to hear that you won that this year. Definitely well-deserved. Uh, um, you lead um, on and off the track, literally leading on the track when you win these motos a lot of the times, even beating out, uh, uh, I think you even might have passed my bike at uh, Modessa Raceway in... Uh, um, yeah, Verdun. Yeah, uh, about out in Verdun. I, we'll get to that a little bit, but yeah, riding uh, the... Uh, also off the track, you're just a very well-spoken young man. I think that's why I wanted to do the podcast with you in the first place. Uh, you do a lot of things really well, so uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty stoked to hear you got that. Oh, thank you, man. That means a lot to me uh, coming from you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, also, one of the things that you lead uh, lead at is uh, is in the style department, uh, both on the bike with your riding style. You're good look, you, you look good on a motorcycle, but it's it's the gear that's always on point, my friend. It's the it's the flat black or it's the black helmet with the the like you've always got the goggles that match the gear and the gloves that offset yeah. with the boots uh tell us a little bit about how you how do you sort of dress yourself up a little bit you're a fast house guy always a fast house always looks good you know that as well as i do uh and not to mention uh you're also a, a pretty tall drink of water you mentioned that you're a you're a basketball player and i'm i bet it, i wouldn't bet you're still growing which is probably which is a problem for motocross by the way uh but uh yeah you're, you you got to be tipping in uh close to six six feet tall six foot two yeah definitely so i'm uh six foot two right now uh knew it playing basketball damn year, so pretty, yeah six uh, 14 years old so pretty tall i guess but uh yeah i i like having style at the track you know fast house gear uh always looking good make sure my boots helmet matching you know and i think uh this year coming up i'll have some cool sets uh from fast house that i'll uh be buying and uh hopefully uh looking good and getting fast on the track too for sure looking good like you had a, a very clean looking kit 
on the uh, on the KTM two-stroke that you were riding. Uh, of course, yeah. uh, you switched to the Kawasaki. Is that going to be a permanent thing for you for uh, for 2019 coming up? You'll you'll be on the Thumper, and uh, it'll be a Trans Canada Kawasaki. Uh, so yeah, that's the plan now. Uh, looking at it this year, we're gonna race uh, uh, 125 National in Minnedosa this year on the two-stroke. Keep that around for a little bit longer. Uh, possibly try for Loretta's and uh, plan is to go to Walton right now, but it might change. And then towards the end of the year, just uh, mainly focus on the 250 and uh, progressing in the B-class and hopefully moving up uh, pretty quick and just getting comfy on the Cowie. Absolutely. So, uh, and, and looking forward to seeing you race. I'm also looking forward to racing you um, because uh, this season I actually plan on uh, putting my knobbies in the dirt more often than I'm in the announcing tower, uh, racing a 252 stroke from Ron's Marine, a 2019 uh, 250SX will be underneath me trying to pull whole shots off over uh, 160 pounders like yourself, um, but uh, um, you got to be looking forward to the season now. Of course, this se- uh, the, the schedule actually came out today, uh, finding out that uh, the, the weekend of May 11th will be the first time that we put knobbies no- in the dirt, and it'll be sand. Um, tell me a little bit about uh, just like preparing for the season, uh, if, if you've been doing some workouts, and how you, pre- how you uh, think that you can prepare yourself for uh, the demands of a pretty gnarly racetrack out in Melita, which is uh, about as beach sand as it gets. Uh, for those who don't know, Manitoba known for its uh, black topsoil, which is gets super hard when it's dry and it's tacky when it's wet, but we also have that bottomless pit of sand out in uh, Melita. Yeah, so definitely. So uh, preseason uh, basketball is pretty intense right now. You've got the coach pushing me three practices a week. Uh, once that's finished, I'll be doing some off-the-bike training. Um, and then as soon as the snow melts, I'll be on the bike uh, training hard for uh, first round. Hopefully I can make it to Melita. haven't haven't actually uh, um, rode the big track there. I think the last time I was there was on 50s, so yeah. it's going to be definitely cool to be out there again and uh, race the, uh, the good sand track that is Melita. No kidding. I think they, they even might have had you guys racing a, almost like a, a, a just a section of that old original track. That that place was yeah. just, uh, oh, that, that thing got the better of me more often than I'd even bother telling you about. Uh, yeah. It was pretty over the top. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like, like, tell me a little bit about, uh, just like your, your passion for the sport. It really knows no bounds. You, it, this stuff's on your, your brain, um, pretty much 24, seven, three, six, five. And, and I know that because I see your, uh, your name pop up on, uh, on my, my, my social media just about daily, uh, with, with you like following it and, and just making comments and, uh, and, yeah. and just keeping it around. So, like, uh, tell me a little bit about just your your following of the sport and how you've uh, you look to prepare yourself to uh, to back up that schoolboy title, which I believe now uh, is going to be uh, is they've opened that up to allow a little bit more uh, a few more riders in there. And uh, now that we got that two stroke class, which will be one twenty five, two fifties, pretty pretty much a run what you, run what you brung, which I imagine uh, Aaron Firmer will uh, will race his uh, RM two fifty and smoke everyone in. Uh, but yeah. To, Tell me a little bit uh, about your, your preparation for 2019. Yeah, so definitely, uh, as like you said, I've been 
uh, riding dirt bikes since I was three years old, just a little guy on a Honda 50 and, uh, fallen ever since, you know, I can't, I can't let go of the sport. Uh, every day social media just fills up with my, my motocross in school, just sitting there on my phone, looking at dirt bikes and stuff. But, uh, definitely looking forward to this 2019 season. You know, I've got more drives than ever, uh, looking to back up some titles, get some new ones, uh, hanging out, hanging out there in the 250B class, hopefully, uh, progress. Uh, maybe look into the A class for uh, 2020, but uh, we'll see how that goes. And uh, definitely want to want to back on my schoolboy title. Just depends how it goes with the two stroke. Uh, want to have some fun too. Keep it fun uh, on the two stroke and uh, just have fun with the guys again on the 2019 season. Absolutely. So you mentioned keeping things fun. Uh, what do you do to sort of like uh, break out of just like doing motos and stuff like that? And you kind of get into where you do a lot of your practicing and whatnot. You'd mentioned that you have a, a pit bike. Um, like how, how do you just like just uh, go forth and just enjoy this uh, this sport of motocross? Yeah, so definitely. Um, I'm blessed enough to have three tracks just around my house, uh, pretty close down the road too. And uh, uh I've definitely, you know, get done with my uh, couple motos uh, practice day. And then, uh, you know, there's a group of guys from around my uh, area that we all ride together and uh, just keep it fun, you know, have try some new jumps and stuff with the guys. Uh, definitely uh, do that a lot. Uh, uh, ride the pit bike, try to every day. I mean, like I just popped the tire on my uh, pit bike yesterday in the snow. Nice. Uh, which was kind of depressing to me now i can't ride it for a couple more days but uh you know i ride that thing i got a pit bike track in my uh, backyard th- weaving through the trees i'm out there digging new jumps every day on it and uh you know i just try to keep it fun you know i don't want to i don't want to lose the spark in motocross and i just want to do this for however long i can because it's it's what i love there you go so uh um Getting ready for 2019 motocross season, you'll be looking forward to uh, some of your favorite tracks in Manitoba. For those uh, who don't uh, really know the tracks in Manitoba, um, what are your some of your favorites, uh, and, and how like sort of like how do you um, sort of attack each one of them? Because like the the problem a lot of times is uh, um, like you don't get to ride them all that often. You'd mentioned that Altona, uh, a track that you only got to ride twice last year. I, I imagine that both of those times was a race. Uh, which is pretty yeah. wild. I think you're going to go about as fast as you can go on two wheels on a track you're pretty unfamiliar with, although the pros do that on a, on a weekly basis. Um, yeah, tell, tell me a little bit about the tracks that you like and preparing for the tracks that you don't get to ride very often. Yeah, so definitely a um, couple tracks that I like. Uh, Minnedosa had success there in the National and also at the Manitoba Club Day, and uh, that's a definitely a fun track. Kind of reminds me of sort of the style uh, kind of in the valley um, as New Zealand, but uh, definitely that track. Uh, I always look forward to a pile of mountains, so it's pretty close to where I live and get to uh, ride it quite a bit, so uh, that's a race I always look forward to. Uh, first race ever in Zoda last year. Was Didn't know what to expect. We showed up, actually bought a sand tire off of DJ Burmy at the race. Uh, definitely just going into it, uh, not knowing what that is, but... Uh, Definitely, you kind of have to adapt and to the track and different styles and stuff. But uh, for sure, yeah, that track cool. changes on a, a a lap by lap basis. By the way, yeah, definitely. Uh, we're lucky enough in Manitoba to have uh, practice days before uh, the race day, actually. So it's 
it definitely helps a lot with that practice day, but you're still trying to find new lines on the track and uh, just get that little extra bit out of it to beat your competition. Fair enough. So uh, let's uh, let's dive a little bit deeper into uh, the Matthew Stokes. We're, we're we're pressed for time here. We're gonna get get you, get things going uh, uh, quickly here. But uh, tell me a little bit about your history in the sport. You've been racing for a long period of time. I've seen you race as a, on 50s, 65s, and even on in the DMC at District 23 down at Staples on 85s uh, over the years. How'd you get into it? Uh, how'd you fall in love with it? And uh, like, kind of, how, how has motocross kind of gripped you and, and uh, made you coming back weekend after weekend, summer after summer for uh, I imagine uh, got to be down near ten years. Yeah, ten years. Uh, been going at it, racing hard. Um, so when I was three, my dad uh, got me a little Honda 50. Surprised me on a bank semi truck. Bought it back home from the states. Uh, Love it. Uh, started riding on that thing. Uh, Funny to say, my first number was 95 because of Lightning McQueen. You know, I love that. I love watching that. I just love the racing and stuff. Same as your number, I guess. Fair enough. I had it first. Just, just, just letting you know, I had, I had 95 before that movie came out. <laughs> yeah. So I think 95 Lightning McQueen uh, cars. That's movie, awesome. That's why I got into it. Uh, but I definitely uh, been riding it, riding dirt bikes every summer. I guess. Uh, just progressing through the ranks, you know, won a couple of provincial championships, uh, won a couple of state championships down in uh, America, which was a pretty big accomplishment to me. For sure. Uh, that's D- that's the DMC series or District 23? Uh, in the North Dakota series, and then we were racing a couple of Minnesota uh, qualifiers and stuff. For that's cool. And stuff. But uh, uh, definitely, uh, I'm a little, I'm a little taller than the average, uh, 14 year old. Well, I started, uh, on big bikes pretty early. So yeah. I'm amazed that you were on big bikes at the age of 12 or like yeah, early so I, 13. Yeah. So I was actually on, uh, uh, 150, a KTM 150 when I was 12. Yeah. Uh, just outgrew the 85, I guess. I was pretty tall back then too. So, uh, yeah, I got on a 250 when I was, I was around 250s when I was 13. I just turned 14 in July, so middle of the summer or whatever. And uh, I guess motocross has taken over my life. It's all I really know. Uh, been showing up every weekend for motocross, I guess. Uh, my family's uh, very dedicated to it. Uh, every weekend, there's no off weekends for us. We're either racing in Manitoba, racing in the States, Saskatchewan, uh, just traveling all over, I guess, uh, putting money into it. That you guys would not believe uh, buying bikes over in New Zealand and fixing them, and just a lot of money goes into the sport to uh, fuel my dream for motocross. Absolutely. So, uh, um, who are uh, who are some of your uh, favorite racers that you you follow? I know you love Supercross. You watch all the time. Uh, I'm sure you've been watching uh, the Supercross uh, series in the, both 250s, uh, 250 East, 250 West. That comes together this weekend. Uh, I know, like you're you'll be uh, really looking forward to watching that. I assume that you have the, the video pass, so you can watch all those races. Uh, and if you don't, that's a huge bummer. I'll have to get you some login information. Uh, but who who are some of your uh, your favorite athletes that you race uh, that you watch on the weekend? weekends uh 250 class 450 class who do you like uh so definitely uh i like the cowie boys on the austin forkner or adam cincerello they just have a good a look on motocross i think and uh it, it makes me want to ride cowie i guess you know i was 
Okay. Before. I was diehard KTM till I guess 13 and got the opportunity to ride for Trans Canada. So I uh, definitely look up to those guys. Uh, 450, uh, got a look. I like uh, Dean Wilson. I just love his riding style. Uh, he's tall like me, so uh, definitely try to mimic him on the weekends, uh, just his riding style. Uh, some local guys like Miller, he's got so much full on the bike. Uh, he's quite a bit taller than me, actually, and just looks so smooth on the bike. But uh, definitely love, love watching uh, Supercross on the weekends, and it uh, just makes me want to do better and get there one day, too. Fair enough. You want to get to that top level. Um, like uh, Obviously, you, you've been riding a KTM for a long period of time. I'm surprised you didn't mention like guy like uh, Shane McElrath or... Uh, or Jordan Smith. Jordan, you got to be pretty bummed on that, huh? Yeah, I heard him say Fortner and Cinturello. What's up with that, man? Oh, good to talk to you, man. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, well, I like you too, man. Uh, <laughs> I've had, I've, it's cool to talk to you. Uh, I've had friends go down to MTS and said they've watched you ride. And it's, I don't know, I've, I've always looked up to you because you ride at MTS too, but... Uh, I still love KTM too, man. So uh, it's cool to watch you on weekends too, and I'll definitely be cheering for you more often now. <laughs> Heck yeah, dude. I mean, it's all good. I was just, uh, everyone has their favorite rider. It's giving me a hard time. <laughs> <laughs> Thought I'd uh, throw uh, the next podcast I needed to do for this particular evening uh, was Jordan Smith, so I thought I'd throw him on the podcast. Actually, it's funny that I don't actually do uh, a ton of, uh, of of local interviews. Maybe I need to do more of them. But uh, both times I've I've had uh, Jordan Smith join me for the the later portions of those interviews. Or the, the last one with Jake Parnell, who actually battled with uh, Matthew Stokes uh, earlier this season, and uh, yeah. Um, Jordan, I know you're you're a guy who uh, who loves working with younger riders at MTF and giving uh, tips and pointers and advice. What advice would you have for a young uh, Matthew Stokes, 14 years old, tall drink of water at six uh, six foot two, uh, maybe 125 pounds, soaking wet, by the way, uh, and uh, and clearly a huge Jordan Smith fan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, man, that's pretty tall to be 14. Uh, some advice is try to stop growing as quick as possible (laughs) (laughs) unless you're trying to go to the nba um but man just uh just keep keep trying no matter what uh no matter what this throws at you or or whatever just always give it 100 percent. and uh at the end of the day you just don't want to have any regrets whether you make it to where you want to be or not as long as you get 100 percent, then you know that you give your hardest to to do the best that you can and at the end of the day that's all that matters yeah, definitely. Yeah, keep keep uh, plugging away and uh, hopefully get up there one day as a Manitoba rider who's dreaming at 14 years old. There you go. Uh, you go, bud. Um, Matthew, uh, probably don't get too many times to to chat with a kid like Jordan on the on, on the phone. Any any question that you might have for uh, for Jordan before uh, we let you uh, run off your sponsors and uh, and I'll boot you off the podcast. Uh, I don't know. I I don't really know. Uh, I've always wanted to go down to MTF and uh, train during the winter as it's <laughs> unrideable conditions here. But uh, what's it like to ride at MTF uh, all year round? Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. That's I've been I've pretty much grown up here. I've been here since I was about 11 years old. So um, I mean, it's it's pretty awesome. It's uh, 
it's second to none facility. It's uh, it's really good. Um, you know, Brian and Colleen are are just uh, amazing trainers, and uh, it's crazy how good they are. At, you know, watching uh, any like any skill level rider rock and always picking out something they can do best, uh, whether it's technique or um, where they need to get on the power or you know too much power, not enough, whatever it is, and uh, they're you, you you just learn so much from them. And if you ever do have a chance to come down here, it's just like just let them talk and just listen to everything that they say and and let it soak in. And that's uh, that, that's what I tried to do the first time I ever came to NCF. My dad told me he's like, I don't want to hear you talking over them or saying that you feel like you should do it like this or whatever. Like. Uh-huh. listen to what they have to say and try it all and they uh i mean that's what i've always tried to do with them and it's uh you know they it's it's unbelievable especially colleen for and she wrote a little bit whenever uh back in the day but um for like the amount that she knows about a dirt bike and to never have uh done it at the skill level that we do it at it's yeah. uh pretty amazing what she's yeah. uh observed over the years and learned yeah, yeah, it's, it, it sounds so cool there, you know, I'll have to try and come uh, maybe next winter or something, you know, I've watched all the videos from MPF and stuff, and uh, just looked it up at all you uh, pro guys training there, so it's, it's it's pretty cool to talk to you, man. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's awesome if you ever get a chance to come, come on down, it'll be cool. Awesome, yeah, guys. Sure. That, that That's awesome. Like, last time we had you on the podcast, Jordan, uh, we had Jake Parnell, who was just beside himself that you gave him a set of uh, Oakley goggles and you scribbled all over the lens, uh, rendering yeah, the yeah. goggles completely useless to Jake, <laughs> which... <laughs> Is a joke in its own right, but uh, um, is, like I, I know the the twenty eight looks pretty good on the front of your motor, motorcycle. I imagine that uh, when you pick a uh, a permanent number, it's going to be even lower than that one. Uh, do you think that we can uh, can dial up uh, a jersey for uh, for young Matthew Stokes uh, and send it on up to the frozen tundra? Because you know he's not riding his motorcycle. He's literally just he's going to be figuring out where he needs to hang this thing in his room and likely never wear it jake <laughs> yeah yeah for sure um just uh hit up hit him up and get my send me his address and yep. i'll uh get a signed jersey out to him asap killer uh, definitely yeah i'll be cheering for you this weekend now huh? all right sounds good no, no cheering for the cowboy boys we don't need them to do any better <laughs> no <laughs> kidding <laughs> no exactly yeah, no, no more of that well go ahead uh matthew Oh yeah, uh, gotta say good luck for this weekend. It's the uh, East West Shootout, isn't it? Yeah, we East West Shootout. It'll be uh, be an interesting one this weekend. Thank you. Yeah, good luck, man. Uh, I'll be rooting for you. Thanks, uh. bro. Awesome. Matthew, thanks so much. Uh, I know uh, you've got a, a couple of sponsors you want to thank, and then once you're done, I'll uh, send you on your merry way. I really appreciate the time, my friend. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I gotta thank Gotta thank everybody behind me, I guess. Uh, Mom, Dad, uh, Grandma and Grandpa here and over in New Zealand. Uh, they let us stay with them and uh, had the opportunity uh, to ride in New Zealand, I said. But I uh, gotta thank uh, Garden USA, Spy Optic, uh, Factory Seats, uh, Stems Farm Supply, Good on Industries, uh, Master Feeds, uh, my whole support crew behind me. And uh, just gotta thank everybody that uh, says that. 
good luck and just had an awesome time. There you go, my friend. Well, I really appreciate the time. Uh, you're, you're, you're free to, to hang out on your phone and continue to listen. But uh, we're going we're gonna to move on to the interview with Jordan Smith right here on uh, the Big MX Radio Podcast. Pre- appreciate you coming on today, man. Oh, thank you for having me. It's a, it's a pretty big deal for me coming on a podcast like yours. So uh, I had a good time, and uh, I'll talk to you as soon as motor season starts up. There you go. You hear that, Jordan? It's a big deal to come on Big MX Radio. Yeah, it is. Big MX Radio, big deal. <laughs> Fair enough. I love it. All right. Thanks. Thank you, Matt. I'll uh, I'll talk to you later, my friend. Okay. Thank you. Uh, I'll talk to you later, man. Thanks. All right. See ya. Bye. And then there were two, just <laughs> myself and Jordan Smith. Jordan, that's the second time we've done that. That's only the second time I've ever done that with anyone. Uh, I think we're, we're just good like that. Um, how are you, my friend? How's the season started so far? How's the wrist? So many things to talk about other than the fact that uh, the TLD KTM always looks good on the track. You've always got TLD always has just like the most just sickest setup every single time. Tell me about it. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's been a little bit of a roller coaster so far this year. Only three rounds done, but, uh, that's been, um, had a great off season and then, uh, not trying to make any excuses, but it just seems like, uh, it's kind of the season started out kind of rough and out to get me a little bit. I started out, uh, the week before the season, I got pretty sick, kind of had a little flu virus going around and, uh, got that. And then, uh, went to the first round, everything went good all day. And then, uh, obviously, everyone knows about the, the whole tire issue um, for the first main event. And then, yeah. Uh, recuperated pretty good after that, and uh, salvaged the second. And then um, went into Dallas and was standing there getting a bike and uh, had about a minute to go in the, in the main event and uh, just had a, little, had a little fall in the whoops and um, held on to the bars a little too long, I, I think, and kind of jammed my wrist pretty good and uh it's been just uh just a lot of pretty much just a lot of therapy and recovering with my wrist since then since that crash in in dallas i wrote about 10 minutes before we went to um before we went to well where was the race detroit (laughs) in detroit 10 minutes before we went to detroit and uh then you know that that was a tough day uh with the triple crown event Right, it's a lot of racing, uh, a lot of intense laps. So that that made it a lot tougher with my wrist, and uh, you know, it's just kind of like as the day went on, it got more sore and more sore, and then um, it was just really hurting pretty bad by the end of the last main, and kind of got through it with adrenaline and a good tape job on my wrist and uh, the Mobius wrist braces. But after after I woke up on Sunday, it was really sore and i think it's actually a little bit more sore this week than last week I, I got out on the bike today and tried to do a little bit of riding but i couldn't i couldn't really do it i only did half a lap and hit a couple of jumps and i just ended up doing starts for the rest of the day so it looks like i'm gonna have to just take the rest of this week off as well and uh just let it heal up and see what we can do this weekend just try and um i feel like I had a good enough off season that my base is pretty good and that I can still show up on the weekends and, and battle for the win. You know, I felt like, uh, uh this weekend I, I rode good, uh, was battling a little, little bit of bike setup. Uh, the track was a little, 
little different than what we've had so far this year. So it was battling a little bit of that. And, uh, I felt good though overall. So it's uh, definitely definitely been a little bit of a roller coaster of a year so far, but uh, it'll all make it worth it in the end. For sure, like like uh, a definitely um, some adversity at the beginning of this season, a season where uh, I think a lot of people had you pegged uh, to definitely lead a lot of laps and, and, and win races, and I, I still think that's in the cards for you. Um, but uh, when it comes to the injury, a few things come to mind as far as just how debilitating an injury like this is for uh, an athlete like yourself. Not only did it uh, hamper your result, from uh, the second round where you sustained the injury uh, in Dallas, but then uh, rolling into like missing that whole week, which um, like you can do as much supercross testing as you want, but it's it's not until you guys get into race conditions where you you guys like uh, guys like yourself and Shane and, and all and uh, uh, your teammates who can now you know where to go with the motorcycle to make changes. You can go and do some testing and be like, all right, this is how we really dial in this race bike. You're missing all of that right now. You're not able to do that. That hampers you during the week as well as just getting in riding time. And, and, and you, obviously that's a big part of your program. And then on top of that, uh, just the stress and, and the, the aggravation of, of trying to race when injured on top of. And then like we can talk a little bit about uh, the Triple Crown format, which is, I, I think in my opinion, uh, maybe... I think almost more points should be up for grabs because it, it it really seems rather silly to me that you guys have three starts with the with the like the full class of twenty guys and you have like a ton of laps and they're all super intense and at the end of the day after all those races the the guy who wins all that is three points ahead of whoever got second and you know what I mean it it, it definitely seems like that's a, a little bit peculiar to me sometimes or just maybe not fully thought out properly but uh um yeah like touch on that a little bit the fact that uh unlike your teammates who uh, you'll be racing against this weekend by the way uh all of them um they've all got a, a ton of time like testing and getting ready week to week whereas you're missing all of that and still having to perform on weekends yeah for sure i mean uh we last week we were wanting to kind of make a change after dallas to uh help me out in the whoops a little bit and I wasn't able to ride, obviously, last week. So now instead of going home, you know, taking what we learned from the race the weekend before and being able to kind of test some new things and try some new things out during the week, now we're having to do that the next weekend at the race, you know, trying to throw down a fast lap time, but you're on a new setting and you're trying to dial it in to stop it in the pits to try and clicker adjustments and this and that and watching video and so now you're trying to you know kind of kind of group a whole week of testing and learning about the bike into one day uh and as well as still get the good results so you have to make the right decisions on the bike and, and not go the wrong way so uh it's definitely tough but uh at the same time like i said we that's why we do so much work in the off season and and uh, that's why we don't just sit on our butts all off season and just uh, ride a little here and there. We uh, put a lot of work in just, you know, from pretty much uh, October, the end of September, the beginning of October, and riding every day and, and testing and trying to get everything dialed in so that uh, whenever we are in the season, it's just more maintaining and, and trying to fine-tune things. So uh, I think that we're doing a good job of that and just trying to, you know, 
we do enough laps during the off season that uh, my speed's there and, and my stamina's there. So uh, even though I don't get to ride during the week right now too much, it's uh, whenever I go to the race, I still feel at home. So I'm um, hoping that the, the wrist will heal up enough this week to where uh, it doesn't hinder me this weekend and maybe I can get on the bike some next week. But we'll uh, we'll just have to see. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, just kind of day-to-day right now and just uh, hoping for the best and trying to still prepare as good as I can with off-the-bike training and stuff like that. There you go. Still fit, still fast, uh, and rolling into the fourth round, which is Atlanta and uh, an East-West shootout. You'll have uh, four bikes under the the tent with you rather than the two uh, that you've been uh, uh, accustomed to. And uh, uh, what were uh, the conversations like after the first main event in uh, in Minneapolis? After a pretty scary moment with uh, your teammate. Mitchell Falk, who uh, you were putting him a lap down, and uh, the two of you uh, very could very easily could have switched bikes midair there. Yeah, uh, it was um, that was a little sketchy. Not gonna lie, uh, he he had messed up in the beginning of that rhythm. Yeah, and, uh, he 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 recovered pretty well, and I didn't think that he was going to triple uh, one of the jumps, and that I tripled. And he did, and it was as much my fault for assuming that he was going to triple it as it was his for you know for coming over a little bit because I came over as well. Yeah. I was going to the inside, he was trying to open the corner up a little bit, so um, it was just kind of I didn't think he was going to do it. He didn't really know I was right there that close, so uh, it was just a racing incident. He he was uh, he felt bad about it, but I came back. I'm like, it's all good. No, uh, you know, obviously he went down. We don't want him to go down but i was like i didn't go down i'm i'm, I'm fine with it you know, <laughs> uh, it's it, it was his first race so you know that's something that you learn and, and supercross is especially that you really have to be aware of your surroundings and actually in my first supercross race i um i tripled something in the lcq and the person in front of me didn't triple it and i jumped into the back of them and crashed and didn't make the main event so there you go uh, that's just something that i think that you that you learn you know throughout your supercross career is to really be um expecting anything uh any of the riders around you to do anything because um you know you never know what's going to happen and the rider in front of you isn't always in control so you always have to be ready for something and and uh try and you know as you're coming up to someone or, or, or whatever, trying to pass them, trying to, you know, kind of keep your, keep your um, options open as to what they might do to kind of like, you know, like a plan A, plan B type thing. If, if I, if I get the, if he goes here, then this is what I'm going to do. But if not, then I might have to change my line or something, you know, that's, yeah. Like I said, something you learn in Supercross and been doing it for, this is my fifth year now. So uh, definitely learned a lot from, from my rookie day. So I get it. Oh, yeah. You're a veteran, my friend. I think that's why a lot of people had you pegged to uh, to win this championship. And I definitely don't think you're out of it by any means. Um, but uh, you, you'll have to have a, an answer for this uh, kid who I think that, uh, that's what Matthew mentioned was his favorite rider. No big deal. Uh, in Austin Fortner. Um, and all of you guys are going to have to deal with uh, the West guys coming in this weekend. How do you approach this weekend? Obviously, you're, you're still dealing with the, the, the wrist a little bit. But um, do you see 
see it as an opportunity to put uh, your, yourself up front ahead and maybe put a few West guys between uh, yourself and the rest of the pack, including Austin Forkner? Or uh, is it a little bit daunting to think that uh, the the 40 fastest guys going or the 20 fastest guys going into the main events will be uh, will basically all be top 10 dudes uh, on both coasts? Um, that, that's uh, that's a lot of talent on one line. Oh yeah, it's it's going to be a lot of really fast uh, factory drivers. So, um, but I always I, I like the the triple crown or not the triple crown the the showdowns. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like you said, it, it kind of gives that um, that opportunity to to put points in between or game points, and um, so you know the it's just like every weekend. Um, it's very important to get a good start but this weekend more so than others so i think this weekend it's going to be you know a lot more like the 450 class where uh one i think it was justin brayton this weekend said you know one small mistake can take you from running in the top three or battling for a win to now you're battling just as hard as you were the moto before but to get a top 10 and uh i think that that's going to be one of those week. this is going to be one of those weekends so um luckily for me i can still do starts uh even whenever my wrist is hurting so uh worked on those today even though i couldn't ride so i'm gonna try and just keep those dialed in they were really good this weekend and uh just see what we can do you know it's uh it's 15 minutes plus one lap so uh it my wrist can only hurt so bad so yeah i think i can make it through Fair enough. All right. Well, I, I, we wish you the best of luck with that. Uh, I think it's going to be a really successful season for you for the rest of this uh, Supercross season and then rolling into outdoors where, um, like last year, I think when we talked about it a little bit uh, on the last podcast, uh, the fact that you hadn't raced outdoors in quite some time due to the knee injury. Uh, this last year was basically your full, first full year on on outdoors in quite some time. Um, and then this year, I think you'll be even that much more prepared for it. And uh, you mentioned it a little bit earlier as well, just that much stronger. I think uh, the, between you and Shane, I, I can't think of two stronger athletes uh, just as far as physically, uh, like just like the two strongest guys in the class as as just like straight up athletes. Um, I think anyway, um, how, how much of that is an advantage for you rolling into outdoors where you guys really have to manhandle a two fifty just to like basically wring its neck for 35 minutes plus two. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely, uh, a benefit to be, you know, as strong as, as Shane and I are, um, at being, being bigger than, than a lot of the riders in the class, you have to use that to to your advantage because we're at a bit of a disadvantage as far as um, you know the the weight difference goes. Being on the 250, you know, if it was 450, it wouldn't be nearly as big of a deal. But yeah. for us, with as deep as they're making the outdoor tracks now, especially you get to a track like Redbud and some of those hills. It's oh, Millville! Awesome. You guys just sink. Yeah, Millville as well. It's uh, th- those tracks are tough for us, but. You know, you have to try and use your your strength and, and that kind of stuff to leverage on the bike to your advantage and, and get through it. And, um, you know, you can't make excuses about it. Uh, it is what it is. And you just have to try and try and uh, just keep keep moto and, and keep your corner speed up. You know, the bikes are fast enough nowadays that if you keep the corner speed up and don't break the momentum, then you can go pretty much as fast as you want to around any track. So, um, so it's... Uh, yeah, it's it's good. It's I think 
that the the strength would be a little bit more of uh, an advantage if we were all in 450s, but uh, we're still in 250s, so got to make it to that level first. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, so a uh, few just like sort of like uh, non-moto questions for you before I let you go. It's way probably getting close to your bedtime here, so we'll talk a little bit about stuff like that. Um, you travel literally around the calendar you guys get a very small uh, period of time where you're not traveling uh, on the 250 side of things you start if you're on the east you start a little bit later than the rest the the rest of the series did um what is it you do to pass time in airports on flights uh or even over like like before you guys uh probably have like a bedtime of like 9 30 p.m uh, what is it that's on uh, your? Would it be your laptop, tablet, or uh, on, on TV? What is it you're watching or, or filling time with uh, when you're when you're sitting in the uh, the terminal for 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 flights or uh, before bed? Yeah, um, a lot of times it's uh, in in the airports. I usually I keep it up with golf. Um, they're usually playing because we're usually flying on Friday. Right, fly back on Sunday, so. I uh, kind of see what's going on on Friday and, and what it's shaping up to be and then can watch a good bit of it on the way home on Sunday. Uh, that's probably, I would say, the most consistent thing. Uh, actually, in like a little bit of a fantasy golf um, league with uh, Tyler Keith, our team manager, and uh, Jeremy Malott with Red Bull and, and uh, a couple of other guys. And uh, so we, we play that. So I keep up with that. Um, as far as in the airplane goes, I pretty much sleep the whole time. There you go. Uh, it feels like I don't get enough sleep during the week. So, uh, something about the airplanes, like once I'm taking off and the hum of the engine, I can just, uh, pass out pretty easily most of the time on the airplane. So, um, I do have a few iPhone games, you know, that I'll play, but other than that, for the most part, it's just kind of keeping up with golf. And, uh, most people know I'm a huge golf fan. I yeah. love playing golf. And, um, so yeah, that's uh, that's it. Especially whenever it's a that's my guy. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, TV wise, I know you've got a steady girlfriend. Steady girlfriend means watching TV series that you either love, don't love, uh, or are either, either either way you're gonna watch, you're gonna be forced to watch them. What are those series that your girlfriend uh, basically like? She's like, we're watching. We're like, let's get into a series, uh, and you, you you watch them with them. Which ones have you watched together, and which ones have you actually sort of gotten into a little bit, uh, even though you may have been reluctant in the beginning? Yeah, uh, well, <laughs> Beyonce now. But, oh, congratulations! Uh, yeah, we. Uh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, we uh, we kind of done long distance for forever so um we don't spend like a a whole lot of time together yet she's uh got another year of college so she's going to college in north carolina right and i'm down here in georgia training so um but she likes to watch uh like her i think her favorite like netflix series show is uh friends and she's i think she's watched like every season like the whole the whole series of friends like four times or something now and i'm i don't get into it. I like I, I. It has like no storyline to me. You know, there's nothing like you're waiting for, like for the next episode. It's just yeah, yeah. Like, it's just whatever. So um, yeah, it's like just literally like I guess watching a bunch of friends just hang out, kind of. Yeah. So I've never really got into it that much, but uh, but not. I mean, I'm uh, I'm not huge into um into watching TV shows that much. Uh, I did get into a couple. Like I'm into kind of like murder mystery type stuff. I like it. Uh, I think that if, if I had to, 
go like have a real job or something i would want to be like a forensic scientist or fbi agent or i like it like that kind of in that that field of of work but uh so get, got into a couple of shows one of my favorites i think was uh dexter i don't know if you ever watched that yeah or not, yeah but, yeah uh, that's, a, that's, that's a bit a, of an old one pretty good show i, I yeah, it's a little older, but uh, I I watched that was probably like the most hooked I was ever to any of the Netflix shows. So it's pretty good, and uh, I mean I've I've watched a couple different series, but not really gotten too into anything. Just kind of keep up with my sports and and uh, stuff like that. Fair enough. Um, I I myself same idea. I like there's very few shows I've gotten myself into. I love. Uh, crime shows, conspiracy theories, and I like there was a while, I think like about a year ago, I got like deep into these like documentaries, and this will sound gra- like sound morbid, but like serial killers, just super interesting, like yeah. this weird stuff. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I know, I, I agree with you. Like, I, I actually just um, uh, watched like the Ted Bundy tapes, like, yeah, I don't know, maybe like three or four weeks ago, and I like sat down, I watched, I think it's only four episodes, but I watched all four episodes that day. Uh, and that, that that stuff like really intrigued me like i think that i would like to be you know like whenever he goes on the run and stuff like mm-hmm. i would like to be i don't even know exactly you know if it's just like a detective or what but that gets put on the case to like try and find him you know? yeah like, yeah it almost seems like a like a game at that point uh at, to some extent you know uh like you know he's obviously trying to evade you or whatever and stay away and obviously i would never want to put myself in that position but you almost kind of put yourself in that position by being a detective or something you know you're playing the same game with them and yeah. trying to figure it out and i like i also like watching the show uh i almost got away with it yeah 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 how some of the people will be on the run for you know 30 40 years and and get caught it's crazy those are nuts, yeah. Or that, or uh, a forensic files. I, like, if there's anything that's kept me up late at night on TV, it's like, okay, one more episode of Forensic Files. I'll watch that. Yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah that comes on. It, it starts to starts the next episode right away. And yeah. Like, well, I'm into this one already again. Yeah, I yeah, I already love the first 15 seconds of this episode. I I I can I can race tomorrow on five four hours sleep. Why not? Uh, yeah. yeah, no, I, I like trying to figure out the, the you know the crime or whatever before they they announce it. I'm like over here doing my own forensic analyst stuff. But. Oh yeah, you get right into it. Well, that's cool, Jordan. Um, I'm I'm really pumped for your season uh, to to really take off, my friend. Um, maybe before I let you go, you can talk a little bit about. Uh, Wearing the brace, obviously um, something that's a little bit of a change for you, and you really haven't had that much time to, to really get used to it, obviously, with only riding 10 minutes and uh, just doing some starts today. Um, what's that transition been like for you? Uh, why go to Mobius and sort of unpack that a little bit? Because that's got to be something that's... Uh, um, like you, you guys are pretty dialed in, and anytime you throw on uh, a piece of protective equipment that you haven't been wearing for a while or hadn't been wearing previously, uh, it definitely throws a wrench into things. So, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, um, I actually, uh, whatever I felt at uh, Dallas, I I knew pretty much that night that my wrist was um, going to be hurting no matter what for for this past weekend, and so. Uh, I hit up uh, actually RJ Hampshire and, and got uh, Scott with, from Mobius's contact information 
um, I knew that they had uh, that, you know, a couple of the guys that wore them, RJ said that they're really good and Roxon wears them. And so um, I got in touch with him and, and he was super nice and, and got back to me right away. He gave me a call, um, sent me two sizes of braces to, to try out to make sure I had the right size here. I was a little in between. And uh, yeah, so picked out which size. He went through the whole sizing with me on the phone, uh, told me how to get it fitted correctly. And, and uh, yeah, so just he, he sent me some pretty overnighted them to me and uh, got them dialed in. And, uh, yeah, it was – I mean, it's a, always a little transition, but uh, once you get out there, that's kind of the last thing you're thinking about. So um, the riding with them actually, you know, wasn't, wasn't bad at all. It's just still working instead of my throttle hand and with how much – or how little friction I'll have in my wrist. I pretty much have to have the brace all the way locked out. So um, I'm doing a little bit of a chicken wing motion at the moment instead of a wrist turn. Uh, so uh, that's uh, that's a little weird to get used to. But it's uh, yeah, the Mobius brace is actually uh, there's no way I could have raced last weekend without it. it uh, the support that it gives, it's they got like a kind of a wire system that kind of crosses over underneath your wrist and squeezes your wrist to the top of the brace. And, uh, yeah, it really locks it down there. So, um, without that thing, there's, there's pretty much no way I would say that I would have been able to, uh, to race this past weekend. So, uh, really, really thankful for Scott getting me that and, uh, working with him. So, uh, that was, that was huge. No doubt. Basically allowing you to continue racing. Like you, you'd mentioned it, like it's not even a sponsor plug, sort of like half joking that like I, I don't think you could have raced this weekend without that thing, uh, just knowing how, like, you can tape a wrist really good, but you can't really basically immobilize it the way uh, the brace does. I've worn one before. Uh, they, they, they definitely uh, they restrict a little bit of movement, but uh, um, I think in, in your case, that's, uh, that's what's needed right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, they, they give a, a you know wide range of how much movement you want to be able to to move it. I think it's kind of like zero degrees to seventy degrees, and um, I'm not sure exactly what mine's at, but I know that it doesn't move very far. So uh, it's you know with with wearing out without wearing something like that, it's like uh, you know every jump I would land, it would just basically give out right now. So with that thing um, on, it kind of doesn't use my wrist joint as much it's kind of pressing more against my arm and my hand so kind of takes that takes the edge away from landing jumps and stuff it, i mean it still hurts but um honestly the probably the once i put that brace on the worst part about it is um about my wrist is just trying to come out of the corners and whenever i do open my wrist up a little bit that's whenever it hurts like trying to hold on to the handlebar and and open the throttle and uh, hitting bumps and stuff, and it's kind of like jiggling around right there. So, um, but with the with the braces on it, it helps a lot with the landing of jumps. It just gives it so much support that um, I can barely feel it now. So that's good. Well, yeah, absolutely. That, that's uh, amazing. The longer you continue racing. Um, and uh, this has been a great interview. Always is. Uh, yourself, one of the best interviews in the sport. I think you're you're uh, you're a great guy to have on, just because you have so much uh, like 
you elaborate on, on all your answers. You, you're, you're not, a, you, I could probably just ask you one question and hang up the phone. You could just do the rest of the podcast yourself, which is <laughs> awesome. Just yeah. Going, yeah. Just keep going until eventually you're like, Brad, Brad. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, but yeah, like, uh, I really wish you luck this weekend and the rest of the season, uh, Thank with you. the, the Supercross championship. I hope that you'll take our call again. And I, I thank you for helping me surprise a young athlete from Manitoba who, uh, is, uh, has been riding KTM two strokes since as, as long as I've known him. Uh, and, uh, he recently got a green thumper. So, uh, you'll have to excuse him for being a, uh, a, a, a pro circuit fan now, but, uh, uh, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm sure he'll be stoked to get a, a jersey from you. For sure, man. Just uh, shoot me over his address, yep. and I'll get a jersey shipped out to him as soon as I can. 10-4, my friend. I really appreciate it. You have a great rest of your night. Best of luck this weekend at the uh, the East-West Shootout. And, uh, yeah, don't hang up just yet. But for podcast sake, we'll cut it off right there. All right. Thank you. Hey, Big MX listeners. Thanks for listening to this episode. Check out these commercials, support our sponsors, and we'll be right back to the show. Thanks for listening. Hey, Big MX listeners, let's talk a little bit about Sick Wicks Candles. Sick Wicks is the small business that you may not have heard of so far, and that's why they're on the show right now. That's why we need to get you informed. Soy-based candles are phenomenal. They're not made with the same harmful chemicals that a paraffin wax candle are made from, and the scents are unbelievable. You need to check these out. The Morning Moto smells like coffee. The Privateer smells like beer, as it should. All these awesome candles, you gotta check them out. They're motocross dedicated and uh, they, they, they burn nice and clean. They got that wood wick that sounds awesome. It pops and crackles just like a real fire. And uh, it's gonna make your garage smell better. It's gonna make your living room smell better. And if you take them into the bedroom, don't tell me about it, but enjoy it. You're gonna love these candles and you can find them at sickwicks.com. Head there right now, enjoy them, and you're gonna love them, absolutely. Check them out. Only recently have the health benefits of CBD products been acknowledged by the masses. CBD is every bit as powerful as it is misunderstood. In the past, we've known so little about a vital system that exists in every single one of us. Medterra CBD products promote wellness and overall improved health so that you can be your very best each day. A passionate and dedicated staff have developed an impressive lineup of CBD products which help as a sleep aid, an anti-inflammatory, and for pain relief. Why choose Medterra CBD? Medterra CBD products are of the highest quality Purity tests are done extremely frequently, and their responsive and dedicated customer care team will guide you through your CBD journey. For more information or to browse Medterra CBD's products, please visit www.medterracbd.com. Medterra CBD, our CBD, your health. Since 1979, Maxima USA has changed lubrication. Industry-leading products have equated to hundreds of championships wherever quality lubricants are needed. Maxima has built a reputation for great quality by earning lifelong customers one at a time. Customers who trust in the complete lineup of products from Maxima USA. From our flagship Castor 927 mixing oil to our famous SC1 and the full array of market-leading products, Maxima has what you need on the track and in the garage. 
Maxima Racing Oils are proudly made in the USA. For more information, visit www.maximausa.com. Big MX listeners, Supercross season is coming, and that means the return of the collective experience. Nobody brings you closer. Nobody gives you an exclusive experience where you are part of a privateer's racing program throughout the day. I'm talking pre-race strategy, filming practice sessions, talking about the racetrack, meeting the riders, getting cool swag, getting to hang out with guys like Dave Drakes, getting to hang out with guys like me at the track. It's an awesome program and the money goes right back to the privateers. You're actually supporting their racing program and you get a really cool experience. Check it out, Google. The collective experience, first thing that pops up, you can check out their intern program. You can check out all that fun stuff. You guys need to get on this program. Check it out. You can like Collective EX, I believe, on Instagram. Uh, the Collective XP is their uh, website, I believe. Check them out. The Collective Experience. Dave Drake's over there. Great friend of mine, and he wants you guys to be part of this program. Check it out. Can't wait to see you there. The Collective Experience. A proud sponsor of the Big MX Radio Podcast. Hey, guys. This is Johnny Louch from the W Training Facility, powered by Crosley. Head over to Matera and enter Team W and get 15% off. The product's amazing. You'll love it. And uh, thanks to the support of Big MX Radio Broadcasts. Love being on the show and talk to you soon. And we're back, fresh off a couple of awesome interviews. Really want to thank Jordan Smith for making some time for us. The guy is an absolute legend. Great conversation, talked about uh, on the bike stuff, off the bike stuff. Hopefully his wrist is feeling better for this uh, weekend's race. Uh, the uh, uh, showdown where uh, the East-West, uh, they'll, they're going to shoot uh, shoot things out and figure uh, who's got the stronger coast. We're still here. Dave Drakes uh, sat through that entire interview uh, patiently waiting uh, for us to continue on with the podcast. Thank you, Dave, for uh, sticking with us for that hour and 15 minutes where you sat quietly on your phone playing Mad Skills. Um, and uh, now it's time to talk 450s. And if we had done one of these last week, although you were too busy slash I was too lazy slash we didn't get around to it, we would have talked about how uh, Eli Tomac had us all just scratching our heads after uh, a Dallas to not remember, a 12th place uh, that no one wants to uh, relive, especially Eli Tomac. Um, but he comes out swinging a pair of ones and uh, and a start not to write home about, ends up sixth in that uh, third main event. Still good enough for the first, uh, first overall in the night. 26 points to his credit. And um, like I think this is signs of, of things to come. I think Eli is fit. I think Eli is feeling better from his back injury. I, I think Eli is finally ready to rattle off some wins. Am I wrong? I, it's hard to disagree with that, man. I mean, Eli looked, looked like Eli this past weekend. I mean, he's been uh, a little off pace lately and they had people kind of scratching their head and wondering, you know, what's what's going on? Is that back injury he had, or that he mentioned, uh, a little bit more severe? And um, people were kind of starting to write him off, surprisingly, but... Um, he looked racy as ever this weekend. Looked like he was ready to come play. He looked like he was super solid. Eli of the past. Um, and this could be when, um, you know, he does the famous, uh, like Brad talked about a couple uh, couple pods ago, the famous uh, Tomac sort of uh, 
domination where he'll go on an eight race win streak or something like that. So Just rip him off. Yeah, we could we could see it, man. You know, this is this is usually the point in the season where he makes that happen. Um, I know Cooper uh, Cooper can keep him honest for a little bit, but man, Eli Tomek just he didn't he didn't look the least hesitant this week this weekend. Least hesitant was super solid, um, looked comfortable, and I don't think any of the other guys had anything for him. So um, yeah, man, super good ride, and uh, if this this could be the dominance run for uh, for Tomek. Yeah, like um, it. Uh, some very uh, didn't really look like himself early in the day. Cooper Webb rides uh, like not fantastic qualifying sixth in the uh, in the first main event after being up there. Like he moved backwards very uh, puzzlingly and kind of hung on for that sixth, a second in the second moto, and obviously finished off with the win. So it was a kind of a get right night. Uh, for him, uh, good enough for second place, and he actually had the win for a short period of time there before Eli moved his way into sixth spot to uh, uh, one position into like sort of where he could um, take the main event or take the overall for it. I think that's like that's one thing I don't love about the uh, the triple crown uh, format is that at the end of the night, the guy who's sitting in sixth has enough to win the whole shebang. So you're sort of just like, oh, he doesn't have to move forward, and there's nothing more that Cooper can do. Yay! <laughs> like, and uh, but um, good to see those guys go go at it. I think that's a, a table set for two at the front of the pack. Uh, no one else really seems to be able to uh, have an answer for the two of those those two guys right now. Uh, Ken Roxon's still there. He's he's been steady, although uh, maybe a little bit of an off night for him. Good enough for fourth, uh, but you can't get out of the first few minutes talking about 450s without talking about the podium rounded off by the number 22 in your program, number one in your hearts, from Curry Curry, Australia, now by way of Dade City, Florida, a.k.a. Uh, or, or also, I guess, is uh, North Carolina now, the 22 of Chad Reed on the podium, making that JGR Suzuki look pretty good. That he did, man. He looked super, super solid. I mean, um, in off season, Reed looked Reed looked good. People were saying he's going to do good, and uh, had had a lot of high hopes for him. And um, that really didn't seem to translate into anything the last the last what eight, seven or eight rounds. So um, I know me myself personally, uh, I, I expected him to, to come out swinging. I thought we'd have a lot more um, fights for the podium, a couple more fifths and fourths, and. Um, a little bit steadier progression towards the, the quick, the, the top step, and especially a little bit quicker. And um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure what would, quite was wrong with Chad. I know his starts were suffering, um, and he couldn't seem to really find his footing a little bit. So to see him pop out a, a podium is is super good. Let's just know that his podium's going in the right direction. That he likes the bike. Um, it looks he looks pretty confident and comfortable, and it's not anything anything equipment wise that's holding him back. So. Um, this could be the, you know, the little little edge he needs, a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel that'll get him to kind of do this a little bit more. We got to remember he is up there in age. Not saying he's not he's not fit. Not saying he can't get it done. But um, riding with that same intensity and that same sort of fervor that these other younger guys have. Fervor? Where is that on your word of the day calendar? What the fuck was that? <laughs> yeah, I'm throwing out some SAT words. All right, um, but yeah, I mean, it's it, it, it takes a toll on you, man. He's not a spring chicken anymore, so uh, Spr- it, it's, it's Ferber and spring chicken. Get off my podcast. 
<laughs> I got I got to keep it just strict moto words. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean it's it's as as a fan of the sport, especially the era that you and I are from, it is really cool to see Reed up there um, putting on a podium with guys who are over 10 years younger than him. And uh, it's super, super cool, man. I, I hope there's, there's more of this. I hope Reed really does like what he's, what he's on and, and can keep this momentum going because I mean, that's just the, that's a perfect story right there. If Reed can, can get a podium and another one and then start battling for, for wins and get actually get to win the season, how amazing would that be? You know? So um, we'll hold up, we'll hold out faith for him. It's, 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 it's tough. It's a tough, it's a tough pack. So, uh, hats off to him, and let's, let's hope that there's more of this. I think so. they very well could be. There, there's he's he's a fantastic talent. Uh, it's amazing to me. Like, I like there's a lot of people that could say like, just hang him up, Chad. Uh, you've had your run, so to speak. And, and I honestly, I do see that side too because the guy's been around forever, and you don't like to see a guy who literally has uh, four, I think, 44 wins, which is epic. Um, all of which are in the, in the old school, uh, the old main event, uh, like tw- uh, twenty lappers um, format, and uh, like the guy, like, you should not even be pumped on just a regular podium. Like that's not you. He'd be settling for a third or a second, uh, and not happy about it. Um, and there's a there's there's a side of me that's sort of like like you don't like seeing this legend of the sport get rolling around out there in sixth. The reality is is there isn't too many other sports where you can see a guy whose career literally spans uh, damn near 20 years, but also uh, spans athletes from well over 30 years. Like he'd mentioned it on, on the Paul Pomek show uh, yesterday that he, he raced Jeremy McGrath. Well, Jeremy McGrath turned pro in the, like the early, early 90s, if not late 80s actually. Um, and, uh, like, it's just, it's, it's amazing to me, uh, the, the way his whole career really spans and like the guys he's raced and the guys he will race against. Like you think of the current 250, uh, rookies or 450 rookies who likely might not have even been racing seriously, uh, when Chad Reed was, uh, um, making a name for himself in the GPs or winning supercross races. Uh, it's amazing uh, what this guy's been able to accomplish and the fact that he's just a living legend still doing it um, and, and doing it at a pretty high level. So uh, good on him for the podium. Uh, I don't know if I expect a lot more of that to come, but I, I know that he's comfortable on the motorcycle and anytime where there's a fat set of whoops uh, on a motocross track, uh, that's a recipe for success for uh, Chad Reed. So anytime the whoops are big, um, if you've got some smart money, you put it on Chad Reed on those nights. Yeah, you and I were just talking about what specialists and Reed was like the one of the first people we named, and um, you can't argue with that, man. There's just something about the old school guys and the set of whoops, man. That just no one goes through the whoops like like those dudes, man. It's just it's a sight to see. Oh, it is. So, uh, I, one of the things that like kind of bums me out about the Triple Crown uh, format is that you really don't get a great like. It, it gives too much of an opportunity for a ton of guys to have a really quiet night. You know what I mean? Like, like because this, the races are so short, they don't really talk much about your 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Like, there's, this goes, there's just a window of guys that don't get a lot of uh, attention. Like, 
if you if you told me that Dean Wilson got eleventh, I'd have to just take your word for it because unless I like look through the results, like he just like other than uh, his uh, him getting taken out by uh, Roxon, which I think was more or less a racing in- just incident. Dean not knowing uh, that two guys were coming through, he goes to cut down in that corner and literally just runs into Ken. Um, like a, a lot of these racers, sort of in the middle of the pack, didn't really get uh, talked about too much. Some standout rides, though, from Chris Bloss, uh, full like basically a full blown privateer on the 450 uh, on the East Coast, the the 111, uh, who's I currently I believe sitting eighth in points in the 250 West. Uh, he's had a, a pretty nice uh, three rounds here on the East so far. Yeah, I'm, again, he's uh, he's surprising this year. You brought it to my attention after I think round three that he was silently riding in some 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 solid positions. Like a, I think he had like a seventh and a couple other top tens um, on the West Coast, and uh, he, he's backing it up, man. Top fifteen ain't bad. He's ahead of a couple other guys that, are, that have some pretty good good uh, support behind them. Uh, Namely, looking at his uh, his Vogel, and he's right around where Bowers is. So. He's in some pretty solid company where he is, and uh, testament to his riding, man. You, you brought it to my attention that he was a, a little bit of an older rider, has some has some history behind him. So um, it, it's it's cool to see him still out here and, and riding as well as he is. I think he's probably one of the more silent uh, sort of stories that we've heard this year, and he's doing good, man. Really, honestly, yeah. pretty shocked. I did not expect to see this from him. Uh, I didn't expect to see him on the 450, and yet alone doing so good and qualifying and. Um, get it, putting it in mains ahead of some pretty fast guys, you know. So, um, awesome ride, man. It's a really cool season for him. Uh, I wonder if this is something that we're going to see more of, and maybe next season have this translate into something to get him a little bit more support, maybe take his, uh, his program to the next level and do even better. But um, this is cool to see, man. This is kind of reminding me of like a Tyler Evans kind of, you know, kind of effort, and, uh, and it, it's super cool. I, I dig it. I do as well. Uh, let me see if we can get Chris Blos on the podcast. I'll contact uh, Tony Eric, his team manager on the uh, on the Gas Monkey team. Um, of the two guys in your like basically your your main contenders who do not yet have wins, uh, who gets a ma- who gets a main event win first? Um, Ken Roxon or Marvin Muskan? Because we're mm. halfway through this thing. Neither one of them have a win. Neither one of them have to be happy about it either. Definitely not. You know, all these, you know, top tier guys, and I'm counting those guys in there, they're not happy with anything less than first. They they put the training in, they make the sacrifices to get first. Anything other than that is just not not good enough. Um, In my opinion, I want to say Roxton because he's been the closest. It looks like he's the most capable, um, especially after the ride that we saw in Arlington. Um, I I think Kenny, it's on the the horizon for Kenny. I think it's going to happen. It's just a matter of time. Um, and having the things fall into place like a good start in this solid riding. So my hat's in, uh, in the race with Kenny. Absolutely. Yeah, I think he's, he's certainly shown more, more consistent speed. Uh, what did you make of uh, Marvin Muskan uh, just literally running into the back of Joey Savacci on a uh, seemingly a, like a lap by lap basis? I don't know if that was the second or third main event, but uh, I think that took down uh, Marvin for sure once, if not twice. Yeah, that was a little weird. I don't know if that was just him getting frustrated with Joey not moving and just tapping him a little bit or um, him just falling too hard and just looking at, you know, at his front tire, which I can't imagine a guy like Marvin would give up fundamentals like that. 
So, um, yeah, definitely, definitely odd. You don't, I don't know, you don't see many mistakes in Marvin, but this year it looks like he's kind of he's got chock full of them. So, um, interesting, man. I wonder if the pressure of not having a win is starting to get to him or if he's not driving too well with the bike this year or something. I don't think there were that many changes to the KTM, but it's tough. It's, it's an uncharacteristic uh, Martin, or sorry, Marvin. The only time that I think I've seen him really ride like we expect him to was probably Oakland in the later latter half of the main event where he was making up just oodles of time on uh, on Cooper. So yeah, and but that's I why I thought that like by now we would have saw a win out of the guy. You know what I mean? Like that. Yeah, he was like for sure the best guy, and that was a month ago. Yeah, it's I don't know, man. I, I thought for sure that um, that we would have seen something from him something by now, but. It's not looking like it, man. The, the the field is up their level. I don't think Marvin's gone slower. I just think that these guys are just at another level, and Marvin's got to uh, figure out that that recipe to making it happen, man. Whether it's uh, you know more more sprint speed initially, or um, saving that sprint speed towards the end, or or whatever. But he's got to figure out a, a way to keep Cooper, um, which is you know his teammate, keep him at bay, latch onto it to Tomac, and just get out of a lot of the. Uh, the mid the mid pack riding that he's been doing, man. We haven't seen him up front in the start in a little bit, and it's not going to happen when you start seventh, eighth, sixth, and and have to work your way up. For sure, no, it, it's it's very start dependent, especially with the the class we have right now, which uh, like you've got, um, I believe what four guys that have won run one races so far: Baggett, Barsha, uh, Tomac, and Webb. They've all won. You've got a ton of guys that have led laps. Uh, Ken's right there. Moosecan's, of course, one of them. Uh, and then Savachi's been just getting good starts and being super steady. I think a big surprise for a lot of people. Um, yeah, th- this will be interesting going forward into Atlanta, a track that uh, it's pretty soft. It's dome. Uh, it's always been known for uh, some ruddy soil. It's obviously the beautiful clay in Atlanta. Um and also uh, coming into this weekend, and I don't know how well, I don't know really how much uh, he'll like put a, a ripple into the points, but uh, filling in for uh, for MCR, Michael Essie, the eight hundred. Yeah, that that's gonna be super cool, man. Uh, I didn't think we'd see Alessie back in a Supercross ever. So no, me either. Riders, yeah, super super cool. Um, you know, I'm a fan of the 800. The guy's a start machine. I'm wondering if he can still get the, get the job done on stars. Uh, but it's it's just cool to have his flavor thrown in the mix, and uh, I wonder if he can, you know, battle it out with his teammate, and uh, or sorry, not his teammate, but um, some of the other some of the other guys out there, and um, maybe maybe hunt down Brayton. I don't want to say he can't chase on his teammate, but um, yeah, maybe we'll see. No, no. Uh, no, no, I think Brayton's got him. There, I think but... the two-time Australian champion, yeah. uh, and like I, mixing I, I it up with the big boys. Though. I would expect him to honestly. I expect him to be right in there. With Tyler Bowers, uh, Justin Hill, uh, Aaron Plessinger, I think that's and and like I think Aaron Aaron's I think Aaron's still dealing with a little bit of some back stuff. Uh, I think he's behind the eight ball on testing. Um, not to say there's a throwaway year for 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 Aaron, but this he's in he's in a tough spot as far as uh, physically uh, right now. Uh, I think and and then testing as well. Um, not where he needs to be, but that's sort of where I, I think uh, Michael B is is right around the, the ten to thirteen spot, right in where Justin Hill's been all year. 
Agreed, agreed. I don't want to take anything away from from Mike or anything like that, but I, I, I don't know. agree. It that's just that. Cool that's what I, you come off the come couch. On. You haven't been racing Supercross. Like, come on. <laughs> you know, you're right. Yeah, uh, but yeah, like I said, it's just it's cool to see him there. Um, I'm, you know, I'm a big fan of having a lot of a lot of talented riders in there. Yeah, it'd be cool to see a talented player, riders like AJ Catanzaro. There we go. <laughs> you know, when he's not standing in corners. Um, it, it, it'd be wow. cool to see uh, Alessi try to maybe maybe lengthen this thing out a little bit, maybe do some more races, more than he you know he originally said he was going to do, um, just to keep get the talent pool even deeper. But uh, yeah, it's cool to see the number eight hundred out there making his way around and hopefully grabbing some hole shots. Yes, absolutely. Oh, and and like like uh, wearing the uh, I don't know what kind of go- I'm wondering if he's going to wear Fox. Is he going to be in Fox? Or is he going to be wearing fly? Oh, that's a good question. Because like, on, like question. and between you and me, that fox stuff he was wearing in his intro for the Canadian team he's running, he's running for Diggers, uh, um, the uh, the Gopher Dunes uh, JDR racing. That's like, you know, I love my fly stuff. You know, I love my fast house stuff. That fox stuff with the old school fox logo from the t- early two thousands. That's good looking stuff. I don't care who you are. It's good looking stuff. I'm gonna have to agree, man. Yeah, I like you don't even like you, you don't even like FXR stuff. You mentioned that earlier to me off the air. You don't even like FXR. You you said that that, that Fox oh, is way better looking gear. I don't think those words have ever come out of my mouth. Oh, I am a huge FXR diehard. Oh, yeah. I will say that the Fox stuff. What's their race line called? Sick, man. What's that? What's their top of line race uh, like uh, gear called from FXR? From Fox or FXR? FXR. FX, the Helium one I like a lot. Um, let's see. I'm kind of I'm kind of hung up on the stuff that uh they had AJ debut and I'm not gonna lie it was. What's it called solid, though? But what's it called? The Helium. Helium, and then you've got the Revo, which is a step down from that. Um, then you've got. I know uh, the stuff. I like it. Entry level. I like it. I like it. I'm proud of you. I know my stuff, man. I know I'm a, I'm a fan of the FXR lineup, dude. I, I dig it. I told you, I, I eat, breathe, and sleep this stuff. So bullshit. I, like it. I love it. You're awesome. <laughs> um, that is good. I like it. I like it. Um, but yeah, like, okay, uh, like, as far as the battle for uh, for points go, like, is for the, for the 450 rookies. Aaron Plessinger's got the edge right now because he doesn't have a DNF in his uh, in his column. Um, but uh, like Joey Savacci uh, happens to have two races where he was just butt ugly. But I think Joey's got to be your rookie of the year so far. Um, and uh, the guy that keeps you know, scratching your head has got to be Justin Hill. I you hear all of his like people in his camp, and it's oh he's he's doing the work during the week. He's putting in good practice times here and there, um, but 15th in points, that's, for, from a, a Supercross champion from only two years removed, like, I, I, that's, that's a big, like, question mark for me. Uh, what do you make of Justin's riding right now? Like, where, where, where is he physically? Where is he mentally? Um, where is he on the results sheet? That's a tough one. Um, I had high hopes for Justin, man. And um, guys, goes without saying, he's, he's got a lot of talent. He knows how to ride the bike. He's got good support behind him. His bike is incredible from what we hear. Hell, it was just on the podium this past weekend with Chad Reed. 
Um, super, super, super talented person. But inconsistencies, I think, are the issue. And we've said it on this, on this pod uh, a million and one times. This guy could either be on the podium or battling for the lead, or he could be, you know, 13, 14, 15. And we've, we've only seen the latter. So um, I don't know, man. It's, I have no idea what to make about this kid. I know he's got a lot of, a lot of talent, a lot of speed. But it's he's just not showing it. I don't. I think it might be a little bit mental, but he's ridden with these guys and battled them hard before. And we, uh, I'm going to go back to uh, last year in Tampa when he was battling with Luskin up front in the main event and did not look scared at all. Had a great qualifying time and was pretty much sticking it to these guys before him and Luskin got into it um, and he went down. But I mean, that that should have given a good indication of what he's capable of and. Maybe giving him some some, uh, some confidence, knowing, hey, I can roll with these guys if I get a good start. They're not any faster than me. Uh, I can make it happen. And he's riding around like that, that wasn't a thing. You know what I mean? So, I, I, I honestly, I have no nothing, no idea what to make out of it. Um, it's tough, man. It's 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 tough to see someone that's so good and then has, has all the cards in, in their you know in, in their hand, and it's just not not happening, man. You know, he's he's getting beat by by some guys that he really should be up there with. And, you know, he's got Tyler Bowers knocking on the, on the door. And uh, this guy should be, man, battling for podiums at the very least. Yeah. No, he, he absolutely should be. And it's uh, it's very puzzling. Uh, not like not to discredit the guy he's racing around right now. Uh, there's a ton of talent in this class. Uh, and he is, a, he is one of those talented guys. Uh, I would just expect him to be uh, ahead of, like, like mixing it up with Cole Seeley's of the world, mixing it up with the Blake Baggett's of the world, make, certainly mixing it up with his teammate, um, who is uh, damn near double his age and uh, currently uh, seven points or seven spots ahead of him in points. Like that's um, he's he's an extremely talented rider. He's the Josh Grant of uh, of this generation's racing. Uh, he's like he's got that potential, right? Uh, so that's why he'll continue to get jobs. But um, if he doesn't perform this year, like he's, I, I, he's, he hasn't really been known to be like a uh, light the world on fire outdoor guy. Um, I, I don't know what kind of support he gets next year um, as far as uh, a team. Like I don't know, like there's ton, like there there aren't a ton of spots available, and uh, there's a huge difference in support level when it goes from a, a factory team to a, a non-factory supported effort. Um, and uh, the way he's going right now, it'd be, it'd be hard to make an argument that he should be on a, a factory team for next year. Um, but anyway, um, looking ahead to, uh, to Atlanta, uh, which you will be there in uh, about five days time to, to watch that Supercross go down. Uh, what are your predictions? What are you What are you expecting to see uh, right now? Uh, Cooper Webb continues to carry the points lead. He's got a, a pretty narrow lead right now, six points over uh, Ken Roxon. Uh, Marvin Moosecan's not too far adrift, and uh, thirteen points back right now is uh, is Eli Tomac. I think it'll be a couple of more weeks before uh, Eli carries that uh, that red plate. But uh, I I myself think that uh, Eli's poised to go on a run here. He's always been more com- competent and comfortable on those East Coast tracks. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, Atlanta and uh, the upcoming rounds? 
Ooh, I agree with that. I think that Tomac is going to use this past weekend um, as fuel for the next couple of rounds. I don't see him um, faltering. I think this is a, the perfect time to start making up the, the points deficit that he's at right now and start clicking away and getting in these guys' heads. So I'm going to say that Tomac goes on a bit of a streak and wins this weekend. I will say that Roxton kind of regroups, gets his stuff in order, and gets second. And I think we're going to end up seeing Muskin in third. I think he's going to have another uh, a weekend where he kind of resets a little bit and finishes just finishes just a little bit higher than where he is right now. So um, those are my top three. I'm going to stamp it. Um, I, like I said, I do want to see Roxton get a win. I don't think it'll be this uh, upcoming weekend, but I'm optimistic that you know by the time Indy or something rolls around that um, he'll be up to par. He'll get the good start and try to do what he did in Arlington by leading as much as he can. Hopefully it goes past the wire and uh, he can, he can call it a, an even win. So um, we'll see. Time will tell. And um, the fact that we can't really predict it means that the season is badass and that it's uh, everything that a fan can dream of. So I'm pretty excited right now. There you go. Well, you, you and I are both huge fans of the sport. That's why we get on the podcast every single week to break it all down. Dave Drake's from the Collective Experience. Before I let you go, please let people know where they can go and uh, get more info on the Collective Experience. And if they're already not following you on social media, they need to be. So let them know where they can do that. Oh, for sure. You can always check us out at thecollectivexp.com as well as following us on Instagram, at The Collected EX. And always feel free to drop us an email at contact at thecollectivexp.com. We've got tons of fan packages still up. We've got tons of giveaways coming up, uh, multiple programs where you can go behind the scenes with your favorite rider and help donate to their program, as well as get hooked up at your own uh, Supercross Future Races, where we will be supporting some privateers. Um, and one of them is actually free, so make sure you check out our website, uh, DM us, get in contact with us. We'd be more than happy to help people and get them uh, behind the scenes and immerse in the sport in many different venues. So we're all about it. There you go. Go to the Collective EX on Instagram. Or the Yeah, the Collective EX? Yep. On Instagram. Go there. Go to the profile. Hit follow. And then go to the Collective XP, which is the link on the, your profile, peruse through, then you decide to do a collective experience, uh, VIP experience with Adamantic Nap. He goes, what up, bro? Super awesome. You get pulled into his race program for the, for the day, and, uh, and then likely you get to watch the uh, main event with him later on that evening. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a phenomenal program that you run, and uh, I can't wait to, uh, to, to see you at a race sometime soon. I know I've been neglecting to uh, come to a race to uh, verbally abuse you, and that's why I have to have you on the podcast to do it on a weekly basis. Thank you so much for coming on the show, my friend. Uh, appreciate the time. Oh, anytime, man. Yeah, just looking forward to getting you to a race, man. Heck yeah. No problem. You have yourself a great rest of your evening. Do not hang up just yet, but for podcast sake, we'll cut it off right there. Thank you for listening to the Big MX Radio Podcast. This podcast has been brought to you by Maxima USA, proven under the toughest conditions. The Collective Experience. Access your dreams at thecollectivexp.com.
Sickwix candles, soy candles, and wax melts for moto fans like you. Medterra CBD. Our CBD, your health. Find out more at medterracbd.com.